to What Are You Doing Movie Archives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. Our movie this week is Event Horizon. Pop in your DVD or Blurry, press play. Press pause when the text and stars of the Paramount logo fade to the Paramount logo, and it's just a mountain on a crappy-ass matte painting. I mean, it's weird how naked that thing Someone looks. Someone worked really hard I know they did, but look at it. With, with multiple people. With actual paint. Yeah. Sure, it's very difficult, and their family loves them very much, but it just looks a little bit naked without those words on it. it anyway, the it first frame... It doesn't look... It's, it's just old. It's all. <laughs> so what it's you're like saying years is... old. Okay, okay, okay. Anyway, when the, when the Paramount logo looks like shit, press pause. I don't want to see I'll my grandma naked, three, neither. Two, one, <laughs> pause. I'll press play. You'll press play. It'll be like any other movie commentary, except, of course, with four friends in your head, and those friends this week are myself. As always, take Christy, my friend Brian, William Finifter. Greetings. Michael Dorkman, Scott. Hello. And Eddie the Eddie Doty. Back once again. So today we're doing two commentaries just for fun because we kind of didn't plan anything. So everyone just brought movies and we picked them at, at random. And this is the first of the two we're doing at random. It was a movie potluck. Event Horizon. And it's a movie that we all uh, have seen. So we have that in the bag. Yeah. <laughs> Got that going for us. We are professional. I actually just <laughs> incidentally saw Event Horizon for the first time last week. Uh, unrelated to this. Unrelated to October. Just... Uh, happened to watch it for the first time and i thought it was really really cool obviously it gets a little sunshine towards the end but i i, I feel but it's like, okay because at least you know it's a horror movie yeah kind of i think it kind of earns that bit because sunshine has such a a, a, a sort of a down-to-earth sorry down-to-earth aesthetic and it looks very uh, real and grounded and <laughs> uh event horizon never really does that it's always got sort of an arch sort of a pulpy uh, science fiction movie in space kind of vibe, which totally helps uh, the scary stuff because it doesn't seem like it's shaking you out of what was already there. It's sort of been there the whole time and you've kind of been waiting for it. Uh, I thought it was really scary. I love to see Sam Neill. I hope he gets to go to Montana one of these days. Was Jurassic Park in Montana? Did the, did the beginning of Jurassic Park... I think that was Utah. It was Damn Utah. it. Yeah. Fucking that guy will never get to go to Montana. Which was, I guess was a spoiler for a certain movie, but I won't name the movie, and you won't know what the spoiler was. Yeah, I don't know what the hell you're talking I, about. <laughs> completely in the dark. <laughs> Brian Way got... to go, Teague! All right, I'm good at not spoiling. <laughs> Seth got it. Brian got it, right? You know what I'm talking well, about? Yeah, that's <laughs> the, <laughs> refer- <laughs> it's the reference I just made. Oh. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Meanwhile, anyway, <laughs> I liked Event Horizon a lot. Uh, I like, oh God, what's her freaking name? Jolie Richardson? Uh, I think she's cool. Yeah. And, you know, Lawrence Fishburne. Pre-Matrix being all Lawrence Fishburne-y is cool. It's some vintage Fishburne. That's what I like to see. <laughs> Jack Noseworthy for the win, everybody. Event Horizon is a, is a fun, cool, scary movie. It, it, it Like Strange Days, it slipped past my radar all these years, and when I finally saw it, I was like, ah, oh, yes, this is cool. So I like it. I found it incredibly scary. I like the look. I like the visuals. And um, it's not my favorite movie of all time, but I'm happy to be watching it with you fellers here now today. Huzzah. Hooray! Brian Finifter, how do you feel about Event Horizon? Uh, I like it. I do remember seeing it uh, the uh, when it came around in theaters way back when and being sufficiently scared uh, by it. I was, at the time, uh, disappointed, not because it, because it does kind of share a little bit of a kinship with Sunshine, but it is better in the sense that Sunshine just takes this horrible right turn. It's one thing, and it was exactly what I wanted from a science fiction movie for two-thirds of it, and then took this horrible 90-degree turn. Event Horizon was one thing all the way through, and it's like, okay, it's I get what you're doing. I wish you had kind of done this other thing a little more, just because that's my personal preference, because I'm a big spaceship guy and science fiction guy, but not so much a horror guy. But this movie, at least unlike Sunshine, has a consistent identity for itself. And in, in terms of that, it, it does uh, does an excellent job, and it is uh, very scary and has a wonderful atmosphere going on for it. Hmm, That was very nice. It's a wonderful atmosphere. Event Horizon Horizon is like the world's worst restaurant. 
got a nice what? atmosphere. <laughs> this movie needs a fat Italian guy playing piano and kind of staring at your girlfriend too creepily. <laughs> Try the foie gras. Anyone ever been to Michelli's? It- anyway, Dorkman. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like eerily empty for a Friday night. You know, it should be busier, but it's not. You and know, then you start to get kind of worried about that. And you wish you looked at the letter on the window. Dude, like, no joke. Michelli's is my wife's favorite. Uh, Michel- Michelli's is great. It's yeah. great. Yeah. I, I actually do. I just threw a nice restaurant under the bus, but it was. <laughs> fuck it. You know, yeah. who's going to go? Fuck Yelp. Dork man. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I'm actually the person who has seen this movie the least recently, which is funny because this is my copy of it. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, this was given to me as a gift because I talk about this movie so much and how much I Do really you? enjoyed it. And never. Here, now shut up about it. Yeah, exactly. Well, just I've, I've brought it up as a movie that I, I really enjoyed one it's yeah. uh, it's actually i think i think it's the first you know scary movie that i actually saw in the theaters um and uh you know people were freaked people walked out people were like too scared to watch it mm-hmm. people yeah. were walking out while i was uh, in there and i was very proud of myself because i didn't um but uh but i did find it quite scary i i, I was really engaged by it um I'm astonished that, you know, it's Paul W.S. Anderson, because <laughs> what happened to him? Um, but because uh, this is a really well-made, effective, it's a haunted house in space movie. It's his last and, good movie. Yeah, and that's, it, it, that's exactly what it wants to be, and that it manages to do it wonderfully. So um, I'm... I'm I apologize in advance because there's going to be an aspect from my end, at least, of kind of rediscovering this movie as we go through it. But um, when you talk about it, you say you talk about it all the time. What do you talk about? Well, I talk about just the fact that it's very much what, what Brian said. It has a very, very good atmosphere. You know, mm. it's it's it, it definitely gets into like the hard in your face stuff. But a lot of it is very implied. It's it's more of a ghost story than a horror story up until. Oh, yeah, the yeah, end. yeah, that's good stuff. Um, and uh it's it's just really effective and really scary without being it's an it's another example of a, a film I point to and people are like oh I don't like horror stories because I don't like the gore and the guts and like right. you Event it's, Horizon it's a, there is no gore or guts in Event Horizon yeah Event Horizon is no, one there of, is there, no, there, there's there a totally bit but yeah. I was being so yeah. no but it's not but it's not Saw and Teague it's not leave. hostile no. and it's it's not it's not gore porn. right yeah, yeah exactly. it, it's it's a horror movie in the sense that there's actual suspense and and and. I'm totally blanking on synonyms, but there's real suspense yeah. build up as opposed to just a lot as much blood and guts as you can. Yeah, they're not they're not trying to disgust you; they're trying to unsettle you. Yeah, so and um, this movie, yeah, works in spite of that without having all that shit on it. Exactly, and that's why so much this, like this is Captain the kind Kirk, of this movie defeated the Gorn. This this is one of the this is one of the movies that I point to when I say this is what this is why I like the horror genre. This kind of movie, not. Not post- hostile. Even the first Saw is okay, but not hostile, and not the later Saw movies and stuff like that, where they're just trying to like upset you viscerally. Yeah. It's it's more more about setting a, a mood and tension and stuff like yeah. that. We're just gonna roll past the Gorn thing, huh? I'm on fire today, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I like this movie. I, it's uh, it, it knows exactly what it is. It knows exactly what it wants to be, and it executes it perfectly. Like there's a there's a a creative exercise uh, called blue sky, and where you just you take a sheet of paper and you just write. 
kind of words down that just are sort of trying to hit around what you're trying to do. And a lot of people, when they start any sort of like story, you see people do that sometimes. Like they maybe they write a word in the center and then they branch off and they write other words. I feel like this movie, everything that was on that blue sky page made it into the film. Like it just, it has a very solid sense of identity. And um, like Mike touched on, uh, unbelievable this is a Paul W.S. Anderson movie because <laughs> the first movie he did, the first very first movie he ever did was a movie in England called Shopping, which was kind of a cool little gritty indie crime thing. And then off the strength of that, he got the first Mortal Kombat movie in 94, which well, is all right. You yeah. know, it's it's fine. It's, it's KMFDM. It's yeah, KM, exactly. It's awesome. 90s as hell. Thanks awesome. for the soundtrack. 90s right? <laughs> as hell. A couple really good fight scenes. It moved. It knew exactly what it was. And then once he got this, it's like, great. Once he gets like an original piece of his stuff and a budget behind it, this guy's all right. Then the rest of the following 15 years happened, and here we are. But, like, it, you know, at this point... Can you blame a guy for liking Mila jo- Jovovich? I mean, he's married you, to her. He's married to her. Can so, you blame a guy for marrying no. Mila Jovovich? <laughs> God damn it. What? Today is not my day, everybody. No, but it's... You know, it, some it knows, couples go on vacation, they make Resident Evil movies. They just, exactly. <laughs> They're like, oh, honey, I got three weeks off. Great, we'll make Resident Evil 14. Yeah. Um, but no, this movie is completely fine, completely serviceable. It doesn't aim too high. It knows exactly what its strengths and limitations are. It's kind of... It's haunted house in space. It's a little Lovecrafty in space. And kinda, I love that about it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it, what's, I think what Brian and Mike are talking about, it leaves... It does... It's graphic to a point, but then it lets your imagination take over and kind of imagine the, the worst parts of it. So the truly creepy stuff is the stuff that you kind of generate on your own because it plays very well to just suggesting images and flashing images and letting the creep really settle in and there's a line to th- like right in the break into act three when uh uh <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne says Sam Neill's like you don't intend to destroy it he was like no I intend to uh get to a safe distance where I will fire tactical missiles fuck this ship <laughs> and when he says that it's totally earned because at that point in the audience you're just like G- get the fuck away like <laughs> the creep factor is really dialed in and it's it's just a lot of fun Anyway, so. you're at the point where the all the words and the overlay and stars stuff from the Paramount logo have disappeared, and you're looking at a really great matte painting that was done by a skilled artisan, and it looks completely <laughs> photoreal <laughs> in front of a fucking the sunset that should be on a raisin's box that somebody worked really hard at for a very long Three, time. Three, two, <laughs> one, unpause. Can someone in the chat go to Rotten Tomatoes and tell me what this thing uh, has on the tomato meter? It's now, over 50. Here's something I like about uh, 90s sci-fi movies, and I know that I've only limited us to most movies, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch of 90s sci-fi movies. I love the aesthetic of space that is captured in most of these 90s sci-fi movies and the way that ships look. Uh, how they're, how the, the way they're mixing shots that they're used to seeing in space at this point from years that they're following of only model ship shots. But now they have the access to CG ship shots. But most of the actual shot com- composition and the design of how the camera moves through them is informed by guys who have only been watching movies with those kind of shots in them. So you end up with this weird sort of blend of where everything went, which is insane all the time, from what it used to be, which is almost sort of... It's declarative and big and kind of pompous, these shots of spaceships. And when you get that sort of hybrid mix, you get these really... There's a bunch of really cool spaceship shots in this movie. This this particular period is is perfect for uh, the best you get in terms of science fiction. Jason Espe- Isaacs. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I, just, I just lost my mind there. As, especially oh, yeah. a, a spaceship. doctor, I think. Special effects. Because, That's yeah, you right. have all of these all of these decades of model work experience, and it's Holy before the, the beginning and the real popularization of, of, of uh, computer-generated stuff where it kind of reset the clock a little bit. Yeah. So you have... 
you have the absolute sophistication of model work at its peak, and then, like Teak said, you have just the beginnings of some, you know some of this almost like a frosting of yeah. computer ability. Gentlemen, we are unpopular. What twenty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes? Yikes! Oh, really? Yeah, I know. We're this the, is one of our unpopular oh, opinions. Like apparently, we're the only one. Yeah, What's Adrian what? Biddle. What else has he done? I'm, I was trying to. I, I recognize that. he wrote that name. Babe. He wrote Liar Liar. I'm making this up. I have no idea. <laughs> All right, I'm a Babe and Liar Liar. Keep talking. What <laughs> you're saying Babe, is Liar Liar. So what? Faster is, Pussycat. Kill, is this our kill? first Paul W.S. <laughs> Five Anderson easy pieces. Film? Um, I think it's gotta be. I think so. Yeah, we haven't done yeah. yeah. any other ones, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> process 2015, first permanent colony established on the moon. Gentlemen, uh, we are on track. Gingrich, 2012. <laughs> <laughs> I voted. For, I voted for Krang. So. Oh. Don't blame me. I voted for Kodos. That one took me a second. Oh, he did V for Vendetta. He was the same and Princess Bride. Same okay. VP. All right. No oh. shit. Now the yeah. editor he got much better. If I remember correctly, <laughs> the editor on this. This was the only movie he did with Paul W. S. Anderson. I could be wrong about that, but I think it was like I'm I'm in and I'm out. I remember. Wouldn't was... the movie you did with Paul W. S. Anderson be the only movie you did with Paul? <laughs> well, like, no, you... unless you're married to him, I guess. So. Uh, I mean, do we know anything about the guy? I mean, about I got Paul W. S. Anderson. Like I said, he came from a he came from an indie uh, English um, background, and then he got Mortal Kombat based off of the strength of shopping. Yeah, because he, he did a lot like, with a little bit. He seems like a fine person. He, he seems really totally does. fine. He seems he totally does, fine. He doesn't, but... he doesn't strike me as like Michael Bay, who is who is bad and also awful. By the He's... way, <laughs> I want to I want to I want to point this out now. Bad. Yeah, I want to point this out now because Drew McWeeney at Hitfix linked to this on his Twitter account. It was a completely one hundred percent serious, not tongue in cheek review that another film critic did, reviewing both The Master and. And Resident Evil 6 and saying Resident Evil 6 is like way better than the master. Oh, but that was Armand White. He doesn't count. Armand White. Yeah. But yeah. like, but yeah, he was uh, the joke yeah. here is that there's also Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just saw the master. I like Event Horizon more. So Damn, that's, that's a litany, not Resident Evil 6, though. That's uh, yeah. what I'm saying. So nice, uh, some nice CG work here to do uh, zero gravity. <laughs> yeah, some, is, some, I mean you can yeah. you can tell it's not photoreal by our standards, but but it uh, it's actually standards. it is, but it's good. It, it is certainly it's at the level of what you might still see today. Yeah, it's yeah. at the level of what you might still see today. Certainly, you can we can do better if you can get you know ILM or DNEG or someone like that to do your your zero G wristwatch then it'll look much better than that but um if, you, good, if you can't get if you can't get top tier that's still perfectly acceptable in a movie yeah, today yeah 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 i love sam neil man i sam also is great do you guys ever you remember bicentennial man yeah with yeah. robin williams as an android i never saw it but i'm aware of it yeah, yeah. it was it's, bad it's permanently <laughs> coupled in my mind with ai i have been reason. made aware yes yes <laughs> yes i'm on speaking terms with bicentennial man yeah uh, oh, i love yeah i love sam neil because he's He's one of those actors, and I may have said this on Jurassic Park too, but he's one of those actors who feels he just glasses up the joint. Or Jurassic Park as well, huh? The as well. Okay. Um, he's one of those actors that just that just kind (laughs) of classes up the joint. You know, you look at him and you go, I feel like he ought to be doing Shakespeare. Exactly. But then he comes and he he always. Like he's always just kind of slumming it in these genre pictures. It he might, does this it might one just be me. I, I Red October is the only non-genre thing I have ever seen Sam Neill in. But he all he seems oh, like he always Red seems October like he's totally slumming slumming. Oh well, I guess you're right. He always seems like he's slumming in a genre though. You know, it's always like, oh cool, they got Sam Neill to yeah. do this shit. It's gonna well, be great. But, but to me, it, I mean, it it feels like he should just be perpetually in like Eugene O'Neill plays. And, yeah, you know, or masterpiece theater. Like yeah, I, that's how I was intro to him was like seeing him on a bunch of masterpiece theater stuff in the eighties. He he feel well. I think what it is to me, shot. it's like it feels like if he wanted to, he could be in much classier things. Right, and it, he makes it. 
it, it makes it clear to me that he loves doing these. Yeah. And and you can tell when he's in his performance, like he's totally in it. He's in it in this. He did uh, in, in the Mouth of Madness, which mm-hmm. we should do at some point because it's that's probably the uh, only... for for my money that's the best Lovecraft adaptation right. ever made, um, or the best Lovecraftian movie. And uh, you know he was in Daybreakers, which was not a tremendously great movie but he you know as as the uh the head of the of vampire co or whatever it's called he really you know brought took it to another level just because he just he just buys into it and that just makes the whole world work around him you know of the movie another cool shot and i love that long pull out of the uh, from the station and they're rotating the camera and everything it's an insane shot but i just love it i love that's, that shot that's jason isaacs right there at the helm crow. oh is it i think so. yeah yeah you're right he looks, looks different. different. He looks different. I could uh, be wrong. So no, that's not him. That's not Yeah, okay. that's like Jason Isaacs and... That is Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, he and also hey, looks different. Richardson. Um, there's, there's Lawrence Fishburne. God, he looks so young God, this and thing virile. is totally ripping off the Matrix. I can't believe I never <laughs> noticed that before. <laughs> Brian, what if I told you Event Horizon <laughs> came before the Matrix? By two years. Sudden clarity, Clarence. <laughs> <laughs> I hate myself. Okay, here we go. Jack Noseworthy. Now, he is not really known for much, but he actually has a bit of, uh, uh, he has a bit of trivia about him. Jack oh, yeah. Noseworthy was the star of a show called 21... Jump Street? No, 21, like, Dead at 21. And it was MTV's very first scripted series that he did. Hmm. And it was kind of like this, he did fine work in uh, an admittedly schlocky thing, which was basically he, you know, he didn't know it, but he was implanted with a government, whatever, and he was going to die at 21 unless he figured out some big riddle. That obviously never got solved because the series was canceled after two or three seasons. I'm sure he was fine. But no, he was fine in it. But like, this is the first thing he did sort of after that series. And it's like, oh, maybe there's like a chance for and no, okay. uh, he's not done much since this. No, I don't think. it never. Yay, Kathleen it, Quinlan! It never occurred to me just how much the aesthetics of this was ripping off Alien. I oh mean, yeah, look at, look at the oh, just, yeah, yeah, look yeah. at the design of the the dining room. It's sp- but spot but on. to be fair, the first Alien is what is clearly the inspiration because especially when you look oh, at yeah, like, yeah, the I station, mean, the station is very non aerodynamic and it feels very like practical and sort of everything about everything about the design in this is relatively practactical until you get to the actual you know device that is the cause of all this stuff. The, where hyper, the, sp- the spinning right. magnet thing, yeah, because yeah. it's just like well, there it's, a, it's a, there's Jason. Has it. It's like well, it's a theoretical device, so make it look spacey, you know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, they're they're vertical uh, sleep pods as opposed to horizontal ones, and uh, but even down to like the underwear and the outfits that everybody wears it's 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 it's, it's a, little no, bit a, a little bit of an as you know thing. yeah it's, like, it's, it's would you really get on a spaceship without knowing this basic function of <laughs> right you know, or you, you gotta, live in a world where you well live, bear in mind this is the guy who circumvented all this shit they have to do to go 30 g's it's like all right well let's just bench space you don't have to take anything yeah. any shots in the neck to bench space you just need a giant unlikely magnet ball. you just need to go to hell and back yeah. yeah, basically. I love Kathleen Quinlan, and I want to see her in more things. Maybe I just need to search out and find the other movies she was in. I feel the same way about Jolie Richardson. I was very happy to see she, her. She in, was uh, on uh, Nip Gr- Tuck. And Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Oh, yeah. She was there for a second in that. Yeah. Significant role. I recall. So. Yeah. yeah. Sam Neill. Look at this guy. Look at this guy with that thing. He's at a football game drinking beer. Look at him. <laughs> Why does he, he get he, a tag? Because <laughs> no one knows his fucking name. It's like, yeah, he's, he was supposed to wake up last. They're like, that guy's weird. Just remember. It, well, no, it's to distinguish him from Luke, who's in the t- next time ah, over. Yeah, right. Do you know what a weir is? 
W-E-I-R. Peter. Do you know what that is? It's like a dam. It's something that you put in a river to slow the flow of water to a trickle, but it's constantly being overflowed. So it's basically just slowing the rate of a a river. You'll see it. It looks exactly like an extruded triangle along the the perimeter, not the perimeter, the perpendicular cross-section of the river, and water just slows down over a weir. Well, we're, a weir is a, di- a dam that's designed to be overflowed all the time. Well, we I learned we're in this movie uh, has a little bit of muffin top action and yeah. uh, he's and overflowing a little, slightly. A little, bit of, a, little, <laughs> a little bit of back ass going on. So there you go. He's overflowing slightly. <laughs> Nicely done. Thank you. That's a bringing good one. it back. Bringing it back. Anyway, I would have expected him to have a hairier chest. He's so dreamy. Mm. It's 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 weird because I haven't seen this in a while as well, and it's like I had never. It's like I, I didn't fully conceptualize how much inspiration it drew from the first Alien until yeah. now. There, there just also appears to just be dirt smudged on things for the sake of smudging dirt. Um, and and that would be my job on the set. A dirt smudger. <laughs> I, what do I do? Um, smudge. Smudge away. Smudge like, things. I also like how in a gigantic vessel they have a little bit of the gold aluminum lining that you see on the lunar modules. Yeah, right. Just the mylar just, stuff. Yeah. Just because. Just, you know. Well, to it's have it there. heat insulation. So maybe there's, yeah. I don't know, something. Maybe they invented the blah, blah, blah. And they yeah. need to insulate the... <laughs> it, it feels right, though. You Plus know, that you see, stuff. You, you know. see that in, in uh, you know, pictures of, like you say, these modules and stuff. And it makes sense for that to even if when you know how these things work it doesn't make sense right, but aesthetically right. you're like yeah space thing has a gold foil of course yeah the gold fo- i mean it's not a spaceship without the foil yeah it took me a while the first time i saw this which was the last time i saw this to realize that <laughs> they didn't have red like stirred up just like screwed up eyes distended eyes they actually don't have eyes and you're seeing oh, yeah. into the back of the socket yeah, that's just, yeah, because yeah. it's a little bright you know, it should be darker than that, I think. Yeah. And that's why I was kind of thrown off by yeah, it. Yeah, actually, like, and this is a little gross, but if you actually, if, the, if you see someone with their eye missing and you can actually see into the side, it's just black. It's just, you can't. Oh. Yeah. The, you don't the, see uh, things. I know. Well, you know, that that was one of the problems with, with <laughs> CG type stuff at that point. You know, Thank they, you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Totally off topic. They hadn't, but they we, hadn't sorted we... out the ambient occlusion thing yet, so everything All seems right. kind of bright. Yeah, the open GL. Be, yeah. Can Mad- we madness. dispense with saying God bless you or Gesundheit? I, I mean, say science. Dude, all have a science. Science? Science. Does, does even the most fanatical Christian out there at this point think that your soul is literally trying to escape? No, but courtesy, bro. It's but interesting. I, I feel like you do completely want to. vestigial, yeah. not vestigial courtesy. But no, I, say, I say bless you. I don't say Lord bless you yeah. or anything like that. Or no, I know, but it's just like you don't, you don't bless somebody when they cough. It's the same goddamn thing. Well, I thought the, I thought the point of the bless you thing was because your heart stops when you sneeze. I don't think nah, so. That's a myth, I think. No, I think it was because it's because your no, soul it's because your soul's escaping. trying to escape. Yeah. Fucking your heart stops a myth. Yeah, let's let's include a clown in here. This movie isn't creepy enough. <laughs> let's just go to home videos of clowns. iPad. Yeah. And I, yeah, that that line always bugged me. Is like, here's the chick with a family. She's watching home video, and then her first line is, "No ball in the house." Hmm. <laughs> You're a mom. All spaceships should have Marion Lovell on them. Mount Marilyn, right there. There she is. Marilyn Lovell. Yeah. I did try to find a replacement for you because you are a mother. Yeah. And we don't. Because you, your and place is really in the kitchen. I got yeah. a lot of characters to introduce here. Give him a break. Oh, I'll get him for the summer depth. She's divorced. There's just layers and layers. Paul W.S. Anderson, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this guy. Look at him go. <laughs> it's just, he's just standing there exposing over everything. I don't recognize that other black actor, but I oh, like I've him a lot. Him. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. I, I don't know his name off the top of my head. That's Will Smith. 
<laughs> but oh, that, Jesus. but the uh, the I try to replace you line is Even is almost bad. that's that that is kind of another thing where it's like you didn't have this conversation like yeah. two years ago before right. you got in the cryopod. You got the briefings and no, wait for the ship. Wait yeah. for wait for the ship. I wish life worked that way. It would make life a lot more interesting. <laughs> Richard T. Jones, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. Richard T. Jones. Has anyone done any extensive uh, research onto the career of Sir Lawrence W. Fishburne? Don't know his middle initial. Uh, I believe he his first movie was Apocalypse Now. Well, yes. okay, but then I, I'm t- basically then, I'm trying to bridge the gap between Pee Wee's Playhouse and this and the and Matrix. And then other <laughs> movies as well. No, um, okay, in between, okay, in between Pee Wee's Playhouse and this, um, he was in a David Caruso movie. Uh, Jade, not Jade. It was another one. There was another. There were like three or four. Like for a while, people were convinced that David Caruso was a thing. That well, was you know something that's funny. I heard about David Caruso recently is people who talk about him because they know him and have met him and interacted with him say he's literally like the funniest guy they've ever met. I've heard the same. And it's you're watching David Caruso going, um, maybe he has like a reality distortion field or something. Okay, yeah, I can hardly right. believe him being that funny. Here we go. So because Lawrence Fishburne famously did get into a little bit of trouble in the 80s but um, oh what did he do was he cal- oh, no, he, he was cowed by he Curtis was, man no he was just into, he, was in some, he was into some drug he had some drug oh okay so. cool uh, so Pee Wee's Playhouse but um, uh, one of the bigger ones was uh, Boys in the Hood well Boys in the Hood was like the first big one class action he had a small role in uh, but Boys in the Hood was like his big sort of right on was that a, that was after Pee Wee though right yeah uh, Boys in the Hood was 91 and then Deep Cover was the David Caruso one I believe and then uh, What's Love Got to Do With It, where he played Ike, was a oh, big, big deal. That must be a... Yeah, okay. Because uh, Fishburne, like, when you watch... If you try to divorce yourself from your emotional attachment to an actor that you've seen before, look at Cowboy Curtis and ne- uh, and Morpheus and go, which one is this actor more cut out for? <laughs> Cowboy right. Curtis suddenly becomes baffling. Like, what the fuck are you... It's like if they put Morgan... Well, Morgan Freeman was on Electric Company. Um, yeah, so... What is know. it with serious actors always coming out of the wackiest shit? Got to start somewhere. P.B. Herman's great. His drama is actually a lot easier than comedy. He was great in Blow. He's a good comedian. Then it's pretty reliable that they'll be a good dramatic actor. Yeah. Well, they're always saying that comedy is harder than yeah. Yeah. It's true though. It it absolutely absolutely is true. And apparently, he was also in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. As Seth Brower has been informing me, Lawrence Fishburne was in Kiss Kiss Bang. Oh, he played the bear. He did the bear voice in the commercials. But what do I know? I'm a bear. I suck the heads off a fish. I know too much about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Sam so, Neil. So okay, if, so now we get the nice uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of. Uh, this is what the Ark does. Right scene. Uh-huh. I, now, now lightning. It's been a while since I Fire. revisited the science of this, but even back in '97, uh, when I saw this in theaters as a naive 19 year old, uh, I thought this doesn't really sound right. You know, this, in terms of like their as far as bullshit science goes, it's less bullshit science than other bullshit science. Yeah, yeah, okay. it's actually okay in terms of bullshit science, it's actually pretty good. Uh, it's like a dried tau- cow turd instead of like yellow baby spew. I mean, it's you know, it's pretty good shit. I love the twenty forty seven uh, playmate is wearing nineteen ninety three fashion. Yeah, uh, <laughs> future ninety three, and not in like a retro. No, it's their vintage. Yeah, they're they're vintage. Vintage. is that the actor that plays Mouse? Mouse in what? That, in uh, no. the Matrix, it no. looks a lot like him. Mm. Want to buy some death sticks? No, that's Jack Noseworthy, who I talked about earlier. Yeah, that, oh. that guy's Jack Noseworthy. Yeah. The, the guy who plays Mouse is not him. Yeah. I like how he's this guy scrawnier. This guy was all shitty about him. Hey, don't touch that. And he's like, no, it's cool. Come here. And then I'm he just, just stabs a hole yeah. through it. <laughs> I'm just going to stab a hole through her forehead. Yeah. Yeah. Gravity drive. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well, we just recently did. It wasn't some guy just he just redid some equations and figured like out I, that I you could like do I, that or uh, something well, like that. Uh, I've heard the folding. The folding space-time yeah. kind that's, of that's idea a, before. That's, a, yeah. that's, that's in the thing. Star Trek technical manual. But wouldn't it take infinite energy and thus is impossible? 
Um, yeah. Well, nobody knows. Fair enough. As 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 best we know now. Problem one that problem yeah. two hell. So we're probably not going to do it. The, yeah. Uh, well, okay. So you literally there, have to go through. So hell. there's this guy, uh, uh, Miguel, I think, uh, Alcu Bear, who was like, you know what, this whole warp drive shit, uh, you you couldn't do it. But if you were going to try, this is kind of the tack you would take. And so he wrote up a whole paper, and people read that paper and went, "Hooray, warp drive is possible," which is not what he said at all. But uh, part of that paper was, in order to make this work, you would need infinite energy and infinite mass. You know, you would need a mass. Uh, you would need the same amount of mass as the planet Jupiter, which obviously you're never going to get for a starship. Somebody just recently, apparently, and whether it's bullshit or not, nobody really knows. Who, who knows? Whatever. But redid the equations or tweaked the equations or found new data or something. It was like, well, it wouldn't actually take the mass of Jupiter. It would only take the mass of, like, about the Voyager probe, which is obviously much, much less. But you're so Voyager is real? Pure mass. No. So. In terms of like pure fuel that would have to get converted into energy to make this thing go at a 100% efficiency rate, it's still completely undoable with our present tech level of technology, but... We have iPads. Slightly <laughs> less impossible than the entire planet of Jupiter. But slightly more possible than Jason Isaacs. Hmm. Well, Jason Isaacs is just mathematically... Rumors of Jason Isaacs have I, been greatly exaggerated. I am such a huge fan of Jason Isaacs. It's like I am now. Funny. I didn't realize, but yeah, no, he's, he's been just, in a few things. Like I keep seeing him pop up and stuff oh, that I'd seen Patriot. before. The Patriot, he's yeah, that's the one. Patriot as well. Uh, Plus, think, you can buy his cane in Skymall. I'm going to go ahead and say <laughs> it. I think he is the best on-screen interpretation of Captain Hook ever. Which oh. movie was this? Uh, Peter Pan. There was I'm, a movie. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. that was a movie. The Peter Pan movie. And Jason Isaacs the was the recent one. Yeah, uh, two thousand three or six, uh, three or six, one of those. Well, you're really gonna throw uh, some Jason Isaacs over Dustin Hoffman? You're really yeah, gonna do? Yeah, yeah. I am. I yeah. actually am. Wow. I think me. I think you're probably. I think you're probably right, but I still, me, I still me, think Shmee. Dustin stop Hoffman me, for my money is the me, is the hook I'll go with. It's it, to me. He may he, he may be with the uh, Jason Isaacs may be the more accurate hook, but right. Dustin Hoffman that's, is the one. I'm that's gonna, honestly I'm stop that's me, honestly the Jack Nicholson Heath Ledger debate. Yeah, is that Heath Ledger obviously does a better job, but many people are still very much attached to Jack Nicholson as Joker. You know, Smee. Don't stop me. I love that. I'm sorry. That's literally all I remember of Hook. And something about baseball. Yeah, we did a whole episode on and, that, too. And there was a plane. Bang, a rang. Yeah, that's that thing. Oh, lightning, God. storm in space. Thank God this movie didn't. Thank God Paul W. St. Anderson didn't make this movie now. Because God help us. It's, who was it? Uh, someone recently sent me a clip. I think it was Ewing sent me a clip. It was a fight scene from Resident Evil 4. Oh, and Lord. literally, that thing was cut. And I, and I told him I didn't hate on it because that movie, that whole movie is absurd. So the way it's cut is consistent with it. But literally the fight scene, there were, I literally counted three cuts in one second at one point. Like it was just, <laughs> this thing just cuts to angle to angle to angle. And it had some obnoxious, bad EDM track to it. And it's just, it's it completely over the top. This, he actually shows quite a bit of restraint yeah. uh, in, in a scene, in a movie like this. And like, the film works better for it. Maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's, he's letting the film tell a story as opposed to i guess now he's decided you know he's got a style that people come to see and look look um, on on the spaceship the when they want to go backwards they actually have engines on the front <laughs> to actually it's amazing. i know it's crazy well as uh, kevin smith indicates you only need a you only need a real fan base you don't need to please everyone if you can get away with having a few hundred thousand people who really 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 love your shit and say yes that's a whole career yeah you yeah. can do that forever and never go broke yep. if, if you have an audience of a thousand will 
willing to pay you $100 for your products, you're set. You're yeah. good. You're good. You're good to go. That's There's, a career. Yeah, I was thinking about this uh, when we started this, because um, I recently rediscovered this this uh, quote from H.P. Lovecraft, and it actually got me thinking sort of on this whole route of, I, I actually think Lovecraft in a lot of ways works better in a sciencey setting than necessarily a fantasy one. Well, that's that that was always I, it's always yeah. the thing, yeah. But I get uh, but many of his novels take place in a sort of low tech, mm. you know, sort because that obviously was his time, that was his yeah, time. Yeah. exactly. But it's like I think and it really when you when you think of someone as thinking ahead of their time, um it, it a movie like this especially where it's very much we are literally pushing the boundaries of science uh I think it plays better to the sensibilities. I found this quote recently from Lovecraft, and it kind of it kind of stuck with me. Um, and it is the most merciful thing in the world. I think is the inability of the human mind to correlate all its contents. We live on a placid island of ignorance in the midst of black seas of infinity, and it was not meant that we should voyage far. The sciences, each straining in its own direction, have hitherto harmed us little. But some day, the piecing together of disassociated knowledge will open up such terrifying vistas of reality and of our frightful position therein that we, sh- we shall either go mad from the revelation or flee from the deadly light into the peace and safety of a new dark age wow that's a great quote that's, right? that's that is that is some hardcore existentialism right there yeah. and and that's from, how eerily accurate that's yeah i i'll, I'll lovecraft wrote, wrote a lot of letters so it's it's worth noting what were things that like he said and what were from his stories that's right. a quote from the call of cthulhu yeah it's from call of cthulhu, yeah. um and uh english yeah. major well the, just the, that whole story and and that is his whole thing yeah his whole thing is like if you if you were to in 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 his you know mythos not necessarily um but his his whole view was if you were to see reality for what it is yeah you know it, the the people who are truly insane the problem is that they see reality right, for what it is right. the san- sanity is the lie we tell ourselves right. to to be able to function yeah um and and to believe that any of this matters because mm-hmm. yeah. he was very ex- existential and and his uh, his mythology and everything was very nihilistic yeah uh creatures mm-hmm. like cthulhu and yog sothoth and all these other elements of his mythology all the old gods they yeah. all the old gods they were scary, and and his stories were scary, not because they were evil and wanted to destroy us. It was worse than that. They were so so above us and so disinterested in our existence that they could they would destroy us without even realizing it. We meant so little in the grand scheme of right. the universe. Right. The ant to the boot analogy. Yeah. See. Exactly. It's, like, it's it's not that the devil out there, is, you know, is your personal antagonist trying to yeah. to. You're not that fucking special. You're not. Yeah, you're not that fucking special. You're not that important. Yeah, uh, you're just not that important. Well, and, and what is and, that a quote? Oh, that's a Star Trek. Quote. And I think I think science supports that. We know exactly how much of the of the universe is known. Four percent. Yeah, like it's we know four percent of the universe is out in, there. In terms of being mapped, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah and, I mean? and not just mapped, but just even like postulated and theorized. Even like, even oh, was, aware of it. Yeah, a lot yeah, of it's even dark, aware. Dark lot, energy and dark yeah, that's that's exactly. I mean, stuff. yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson recently came out like uh, you know four percent is known. 60% of it is something like, is like dark matter and then there's shit we don't even we haven't even like conceptualized yet you know there's there's stuff that we haven't even gotten right um, and I think like especially now and I again his his stuff was very much Victorian gas lamp not Victorian but gas lamp sort of era yeah you know kind of turn of the century stuff but and and back then there were there I mean the industrial but he would have loved shit like this. he would have lost Absolutely. his fucking mind like if he were alive now he he'd be writing science fiction because yeah. it's in in some ways what he was writing was was that was a reaction to a, a rapidly industrializing world yeah and 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 that was all steam and engine powered 
I mean, just the idea that we can venture off into space, I think, yeah, if he could redo it, the old gods wouldn't necessarily be in a mountain. They'd be in some sort of in-dimension that we haven't even postulated yet. Yeah. They'd, they'd, be, they'd be around Alpha Centauri or... or not, not, even, galaxy, not even or, hanging out on a planet, but like right. some terror... Like, he'd be very much into like sort of, you know, fourth, fifth the dimension. Spatial rifts, so, yeah, spatial kind of rifts, things like that. And wormholes, he'd be all up in those. And there's, 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 even, a, there's even kind of proto-versions of that in some of his stories. Yeah, there's, like, a, there's, uh, there's a website I was just reading recently that I have here called galaxymap.org, which is all about, as best we can, as best we know, the cartography of the galaxy, which is actually incredibly limited. And it's like, okay, so we're on... The Orion Spur, which is kind of like this one little bridge between two spiral arms of the galaxy. Right. And we have a pretty good idea of a few, like maybe 150 parsecs out like of our tiny little corner. And past that, we don't really have a fucking clue. Like, mm-hmm. we're on one side of the galaxy and across the galactic center to the other side, we really don't have a fucking clue what is over there. Because we can't right. see through the galactic center. Right. And it's like, that... That's how little we know about our own section, yeah, our own corner of of this incredibly vast universe. Well, and that's why I think, which like, reminds me of Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think I think that kind of is part of the reason why a movie like Princess of Mars released this year doesn't really work because it's just it, it's it, John it, Carter. You mean John Carter yeah. Mars? Yeah. Part of it is just baked into the cake because we have a dude rolling around Mars right now taking really good high quality photos and guess yeah. what it looks like Yorba Linda you know it's it's I mean yes it's 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 a it's an alien planet and it's it's exotic and I get all that but like the mystery the, the gloss has come off a bit and, which, which is what we know, talked about during the John Carter commentary it's like it's I wasn't it, there for that no was I, I? well <laughs> Well, if you had listened, <laughs> no, but it, but, but, yeah, but it's, it's right. yeah, it, it's that's the problem with adapting old science fiction like that because our our conception, our understanding, so our, our the frontier of our knowledge of things has progressed so much further. That's you know, at that time, yeah, the, that was the frontier of knowledge about Mars and space right. and the solar system, but. Our frontier of knowledge is so much further than that now. There's also a challenge. I mean, uh, lo- you know, going back to Lovecraft is um, it, for for his time. A lot of a lot of his ideas and and those kinds of things were are. It, it, it's hard to translate to now because they were like products of their time and stuff right. like that, and not just in the sense that he's kind of racist and stuff like that. Sure, but sure. <laughs> it, I mean, in the sense that you know, you you take you take a Lovecraft story. Odds are at least fifty-fifty that if you put cell phones in it, it completely fucks everything up. Sure, you know absolutely. it's just part of it. Like Chinatown is like, oh, uh, you could have just called. Yeah, that exactly. <laughs> part of it. Part of it is the the sense of isolation and and the the as much as he's talking about, you know, the this is a world where there's a a lack of information compared right. to what we have, and discovering these little pieces of information yes. are what lead to um, all this trouble. And now we have all of this information out there, and some of it does lead to trouble. But on the other hand, we know, well, there's uh, just a fuck ton of stuff you can look up on right. the internet without opening a portal to hell. So <laughs> you don't have to be quite as worried about it. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. Like, my, my introduction to Lovecraft was through sort of... Um, well, actually, I'll tell that story in a little bit. But the, but what you were saying earlier about uh, you know the idea that everything else is the things that appear insane to us are actually fully sane. And uh, Grant Morrison is a very famous comic book author and kind of a nut bar. He believes yeah. in chaos magic and all this other stuff. Uh, he he wrote a stretch on Batman for a while, and the, his depiction of the Joker is that the Joker is 
of such an elevated IQ that he's actually not insane. He's hyper insane. He's hyper sane. Right. He's so acutely aware of everything that it has in our perception driven us mad. And they even have a character clarified. It's like, oh, so he's so smart. It drove him insane. It's like, no, he's perfectly sane. He's just operating on a level that we are not. Yeah. And as a result, we perceive it as insane. Yeah. What 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 he is doing makes perfect sense, but we can't understand. We the can't sense understand it. it. Yeah. And how does well, wait, wait, how does Lovecraft a, tie back into Event Horizon though? Because I very much feel uh, that this Event is... Event Horizon is very Lovecraftian. Very Lovecraftian. Yeah. It, it relies a lot on these Lovecraftian tropes. Um, and, it, I mean, it's it, it's basically... I always describe this movie, and maybe to a degree inaccurately, but I always describe this movie as Lovecraft in space. Like it's, it is. It's, it's very much... Agree. Yeah, too. I mean, the, everything that works about it works, is, is for me at least, is what always worked about Call of Cthulhu or in the Mountains of, Ma- in the Mountains of Madness. Yeah. So. Mountains of Madness Mountains was his Madness, story. Yeah. Yeah. Mouth of Madness was the, exactly, the pastiche. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I will say that the, uh, the giant, the really long tube of metal teeth... Mm, maybe yeah. a little uh, awesome set piece. I also want to talk to a little to, more uh, art directing than uh, sure. grounded. I also want to talk to door enthusiasts of the future because I do not understand why every door has to have either a camera iris or spikes. Yeah, I, like I, I, I don't know why that's a, a Eddie perceived as ignorance a is bliss, man. I guess, or why they had the haunted house. Well, after the great after the great into. door evolution of 2092, right. Well, the, it, the society was just different, and 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 the door wars of 2014. We don't want to talk about those and Crystal Door and all this other stuff. Like, it was just bad. Oh, and the door uprising, the door uprising, it was a dark time, yeah. really dark time. Eventually, we just walked through windows. Door rights activists we, were. But, we transfenestrated uh, ourselves. <laughs> the the transfenestrated. Uh, <laughs> you know the one of one oh, of. Done. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, Sam Neil going back to the Lovecraft thing. Sam Neil is a perfect kind of Lovecraftian character in the sense that he falls into this world and, you know, he he passes through hell and he comes out the other side understanding it. And that's what makes him insane by by our standards you right know, it's, it's a similar it's, it's a similar it's exactly the same what thing. eddie was just talking about with the joker or i would yeah. i would also make a comparison with the comedian from the watchman yeah he's he's not a psycho in the sense that he's 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 just the guy that gets the joke of how little anything any right. of this shit means yeah action movie as lovecraft on diff this yeah. week on High and Mighty. Oh yeah, it's sci-fi and horror, and no, all, all it, it puts a lot of stuff together. together really well. Actually, there's a there's another example. Ouch! To go, Jesus! To go on a bit. Wow, it's it's the Spark Room apparently. Um, there's a exploded in her face. <laughs> there was a. Um, and again, it's so weird watching this now, knowing it's a Paul W. S. Anderson film. This fe- this feels like a Terrence Malick movie by comparison. Like it's 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 so not his usual like oop, repertoire of just technique. Uvra, yeah, I can, never, I can never pronounce that fucking. Word. I notice you, you your uvra is monochromatic. You can still see elements of it, though. I like that the entire cockpit exploding in sparks. It's a, a very it's, top, it's a gestation. Yeah. yeah, it's it's very much. Like, wait a second, I see where that's gonna where that's gonna go. This is Resident Evil Five in a fetal stage. It's like yeah. <laughs> this is xenomorph. It, it really is like Event Horizon is. You know, this person, this director, yeah. could have gone one of two ways, <laughs> right? And he could have gone like a new Ridley Scott <laughs> right. way, or he could go. The, the way, way he went. went. <laughs> they, they need to invent time travel so I can go back in time and 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 essentially kill Hitler and <laughs> and like save him from whatever else. Let's, that. Yeah, we need to be very su- go back in time and be very supportive of this film. Yes, yes, and really like yes, pretty do good more uh, of these, zero please. G work by the way. Yeah, 
And I, yeah, I appreciate agree. the fact that they didn't waste the death by spikes on the first opportunity either. Because, yeah. again, why would you create a giant room filled with spikes? Maybe it has to no be reason? soundproof or uh, echo-proof. With an experimental device that tears through the fabric of space and constantly needs maintenance. Spikes. You don't know. Maybe it needs to be echo proof. I mean, that's how they do echo chambers. Yeah, but they do well, that, that with spikes. foam. Yeah, they do that with foam spikes, nerve spikes. That would be fun. I mean, <laughs> it'd be fun to explode from another dimension into the foam spikes. <laughs> be like, hey, what's this crazy three dimensions I'm in? Oh, foam spikes. You know? <laughs> okay. I was in seven d- dimensions. Now I'm in three. So everything feels weird. But they have nerf. <laughs> I think I'll stay. I think I'll stay. Do you guys have the Gatlin gun? I love the Gatlin Come on, gun. Ga- Come on, guys. The water is fine. They have water here too. It's crazy. It's, yeah, I know. It's weird. Yeah, the um, again, it's you don't spend too much time on the gore, but it's there just enough. Oh, oh. as I say that, we see a exploding. See, the 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 exploding frozen gore is is one thing. There's some pretty pictures in this film, though. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, it absolutely is to a degree derivative. But I, I feel oh, like to a huge degree, <laughs> I, I feel like tone and and and, you know, kind of con- like just the, the pacing of it. it, it, it it's absolutely serviceable. <laughs> wow. It doesn't need 27. <laughs> Faint praise. No, I, I didn't mean to. I the sci-fi mean, yeah. genre remains a stalwart. <laughs> it's, it's no, it's just a it's a it's completely reliable and it's not like offensive. And I don't mean to damn it with faint praise. I just I, you know, <laughs> surrogates. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. We did do surrogates. No, now. just the Bruce Willis, yeah. the, the the praise for Bruce Willis on the back of the box. <laughs> Bruce Willis remains a stalwart. No, that's not a real one. That's uh, what, that we made fun of. Whatever. Seth just say. Seth just completely melted my brain because the production designer of this was the production designer of Children of Men. Oh, Whoa. really? Yeah. Well, he calmed down, so he grew up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he aged from fourteen to twenty something. Yeah, it's not bad. Well, Brian, how do you feel he about the shape he of the ship? You didn't have to des- design a like anti-fertility machine for children of men. It might have looked just like that. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I like it. It's bear in mind. There's two. We're looking at two right now. Yeah, this I one is there. I actually do the like one. the their smaller their know, actual ship. ship. Yeah, um, you know, you don't know the the physics of it, so it's like what you know, you don't know. But maybe like a big flying saucer with these two big stupid nacelles on it. Whatever. I do remember being like, "Why, why with the big, with the big long arm in the middle? What? That's gonna come up, and it does." Um, but it's it's all it's all nice design. I like the the uh, the the alien feel to it, the alien inspiration, because the alien aesthetic is is great. And as long as somebody rips it off well, I don't mind it being ripped off. Yeah, and I think it does this well. Are we? Is it fair? Uh, Probably to, not to lay. All of the sci-fi aesthetic that we've seen since on Blade Runner and, and Alien, or is it that Blade Runner and Alien just arrived at something that made the most sense and was also cinematic first? No, it's it's a from my perspective, it's like a Seinfeld is unfunny kind of a thing. It's like we just it's so it's such the cultural standard now that we simply can't appreciate the revolution that it actually was. Right. So it's. You re- you really would have to look at I think as we talked about last I was week saying last week yeah, with Apollo thirteen I the wanna, difference between yeah. uh, the difference between Logan's Run and Blade Runner that's yeah. that's the difference you're talking about the yeah. difference between Flash Gordon and Alien yes. is a huge but huge isn't there difference. an argument to be made that we would have gotten there eventually anyway well I think, sure. I think yeah I somebody think, would have I mean it seems like Ridley anyway, Scott got incredibly fucking yeah, lucky someone would have well not <laughs> no. I mean not lucky I mean there there was he didn't he didn't just accidentally he's like you know. Th- 
you know, he didn't have a cousin who needed a job, and he was like, oh, how about you be the dirt flinger? And it's like, my God, what have we done? Like, he, he went to see... I am play God. Yeah. He, I mean, uh, we, we can... As I, I think they talk about on, you guys probably talked about it on Alien. Um, you, you know, we can trace that back to Star Wars as well because yeah. Ridley Scott went, "Oh, I like how everything's dirty," and then they made everything dirty. Because it's a, so it's, it's Star Wars's fault. Well, Somewhat. no, I, partly, I think, but I no, think, it's a, it's a, it's even more basic than that. It's it's the, somebody is whether it's Ridley Scott or Lucas or whoever having the basic insight of going, if I'm making this imaginary world. It will seem more real if it seems actually lived in to a degree that well, seems realistic, as opposed to let's build the Logan's Run set and it's obviously and make a sure set. We keep it clean. I wonder well, if because the, the future will uh, be clean. Go ahead, Eddie. Well, no, because I think I think it's also a collection of your influences as well. Because when you look at a movie like Logan's Run, which again I just saw in seventy millimeter, and man, dude, does that shit not hold up? <laughs> uh, but when you look at that, it's that's still building off of this 50s aesthetic well, of sci-fi. That's where I was going. And it's, it's elevating that. It's like, okay, well, let's throw in some fashion, what we now know as modern fashion, but still we're, offing, op, we're operating out of that paradigm. But there, are, but there are other people, Blade Runner specifically, I forget the gentleman's name, but he was a futurist. Sid who, Mead? Sid Mead, yeah. Okay. He looked at the work of Sid Mead, he looked at Star Wars, he looked at about five or six other things, and then through the funnel out came the image of Blade Runner. He looked at geopolitical things that were happening and said you know what Japan is a booming economy they're on the rise they're probably going to be controlling shit in the future so by combining all these elements he pooped out Blade Runner and then that became the thing that everybody said that everyone latched onto it yes that right there so that's when the paradigm shifts well know? I wonder if, it, if it's if it's this I mean go with me on this and it might be completely wrong but the first like uh, films dealing with space stuff were in the 20s and 30s and 40s and they were a lot of terror and a lot of things coming from the skies to destroy us all in a, in a, in a period of time where you know it was sort of a completely unknown thing and it was like oh my god what's going to come out of the sky and kill us then through like after World War II and then through all the, the kind of baby boom years you end up with a sort of wonder and fantasy and clean and, and utopian view of, of things those. kind of an optim- kind of an optimistic thing with, well I, I'm talking about uh, set design I'm talking about the aesthetic of things which is very you know people all wearing the same kind of suits and geometric shapes and cleanliness and all that and then you, you start to get into this more uh, realistic uh, view of things where it's more like eventually space is going to be used for war Vietnam era shit like that I wonder if that's what's going on there no because I think that people who designed that sort of original sci-fi aesthetic aesthetic they thought that was realism they looked at when you look at like the sort of the 50s sci-fi model you know this island earth and and uh and you know Disneyland the the yeah, city of the Epcot, future that's, and, I mean and, all that and stuff. of course now we have sci-fi movies like moon that w- that came that came about from a logical conclusion based on the data available at the time the future is going to be this and it had a vision geopolitically coming out of World War II there was a great sense of optimism in the world there was a great it, sense of optimism been, that the evil is behind us so now the future is going to be like this and now and, and now KitchenAid's out there making all exactly. kinds of things yeah. so and that's, gonna... and that's the thing. That's specifically what it is. It's this this post-war concept of, okay, we've gotten that taken care of us, and mm-hmm. now we're building the society. We're, we're applying all of that manpower that we were in leveling Europe and Japan, mm-hmm. and now we're applying that same manpower and those Rebuilding. same factories towards building everything. And so we're really going to... So it's a concept of we're going to refine our systems and just build everything, and eventually we'll get to a point where... Your kitchen does everything for you, and it's yeah. just mechanics. Yeah. That, and, yeah. it, and part of the, the revolution behind Blade Runner is, is that shift in, in concept with our relationship with, with things, with 
uh, industry and, and business and commerce. It's like, okay, in the 50s, it's if I get this new KitchenAid appliance, my life will then be complete. And starting with Blade Runner in the 80s, we're starting to get oversaturated with, if you just get this one thing, then your life will be complete. And we're starting to see that for the hollow promise that it is. Yeah. Right. As, and that's like, oh, now it's just this crowded world filled with useless crap. Yeah, like That's bl- what this world is now. Blade Runner is like the, the 50s KitchenAid world when... It, 30 years later when everyone is an episode of Hoarders, basically, <laughs> yeah, is, what, yeah, exactly. is what happened to the Blade and Runner world. And there's too much, and, and then we realize there's, that we made way too much of this shit, and now there's just junk everywhere. Yeah. yeah. You know, over, and, over, and, over uh, can, under consumption and overproduction is, it very much influences the aesthetic of the late 70s, early 80s. And it's and something we're still dealing with now. Still, still, well, but now it's like we, all that, we just swiped all that shit to a landfill, and now we just make everything smaller now. So you have seven things that are just one tiny little thing. Yeah. And, and that's, I was thinking about houses. I mean, how many houses did we build during the housing bubble that are still sitting out there completely oh, yeah. empty? And is, is that basic concept? It's the 50s, the, the 50s and 60s were about as long as we just build all this stuff and we keep building, everything will be awesome forever. Sci-fi does have a lot. Nowadays, the sci-fi aesthetic is very often, you know, large swaths of empty architecture. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah and, and because that's a reality now. I think yeah. we're kind of like this movie, I feel, is like sort of in the middle it was it was it was wait it's waiting for the next big paradigm shift zeitgeist to change in terms of like what our concept of the future is and i think some of the aesthetic suffers from it because it's still operating off of that late 70s early 80s ridley scott Sid Mead design of dirty workman union like freight ship freight a freight ship in space while also sort of like incorporating some of these emergent technologies that are coming out here uh star trek the next generation i think you know, it 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 still it's it's it suffers the aesthetic suffers from that in a lot of ways because it's sort of in between points. Two years after this is the Matrix, and the influences of the Matrix are what uh, Kung Fu cinema, trench coats, anime, trench coats. Uh, well, yeah. no, I'm getting there. Anime, trench coats. Uh, yeah, the the S and M bonded sort of aesthetic. Yeah, but the, the late '90s club culture, like it's it's a lot of that Rave stuff. That culture. sort of those that stupid sunglasses. To, yeah, well, was able to shift the paradigm again, and oh. and res, the, even now the current Resident Evil movies are still operating oh, off yeah. of that paradigm. When we, yeah, wa- I yeah. mean, they they walked into the event horizon and it opens up and there's like some some mist and there's like lasers going for no reason. Yeah, those lasers would have been green. If they made this movie, <laughs> right. you know, two years later, right? Those lasers would be good, but it, but it is interesting. Like, what? I don't know. What do you What do you think this ship might have looked like if if you were to make this movie today with today's aesthetic? What What would really giant be the sphere, giant cube, something like that? I, I think because um, I don't think I don't think this looks too different from. Okay. You know, some, this makes no fucking sense. Something like that. This makes no fucking sense. Oh, okay, this, this doesn't look this, right. This, but. this basically this series of ducks made out of glowing circuit boards doesn't make sense. It's stupid. I love this. This is <laughs> no, so it, awesome. No, this, is, this is an inspired. This is an inspired choice. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, if it you've reminds held, me of uh, 2001. Actually. I was going to say 2001, yeah. actually. Yeah. Especially, well, especially the way he's pulling out these little, right. the little uh, uh, motherboards. I love how the yeah. every service motherboard is this illuminated green silicon, and yet anything that he actually has to interact with is, is black <laughs> and, and covered in and other stuff. No, I think uh, honestly, it's, honestly, like, it's like it's like if you were playing a video game or a role playing game. It's like you, oh, you know, it's that thing because it's the one thing that is that different you, than the background. Yeah. The one and thing the, you can highlight. <laughs> the unnecessary trombone shot. Uh, Love it, with, yeah. With uh, and and as the you know the lights fade out, you know, in a, on a chamber level. Eddie, were you going to talk about the ship? Well, the ship design. Well, no. What I was going to say is I think the no. In terms of what, um, answering Mike's question, I think um, I think Wally sort of 
is mm. get, is tapping into what I think the next wave of sci-fi aesthetic is going to be, which is hazy desert. Well, no, which is no, we've no. used up everything here, so whatever we create is just going to be eh, forget about the bad thing. You know, it's it's the mm. head in the sand. We can remake anything we want and have it be amazing. And yet we it's not because we've made our existing home any better. We're just making something new. Interesting. You know, I, think, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's, it's the diamond age. Well, the, the impression that I got to what I took away from. We Wally can make diamond. That's the thing. We can make diamond in a fucking machine in less than 12 hours. We can recreate. Well, well like, Wally, Wally, we're in this point now where we can recreate things that we have, have we have 3d Earth. printers right now. We're, That's like, what I'm saying. Three, the whole 3d printer movement is going to completely overturn our basic commerce economy. Right. Yeah. And because when you and when you when you combine as that time with goes on, you're just gonna be able to make more and more stuff just on your own. Like the whole was it you that posted the link on Facebook about printing three D guns? I think and the probably, big, somebody yeah. did, and the big yeah. deal like that's gonna be. Uh, yeah. But like the th- not not just that, but it's I think it's a few things happening. When you when you take this this sort of generation now that is very much an entitlement culture and over self esteem and like you can't do any wrong, you combine that with a thing it's like, you know what? you can just make something out of nothing Instead of trying to make the existing thing better, you know what I mean. You can sort of create something, and and every every bullshit idea that pours out of your head is the most amazing thing. It has to be Facebooked and Instagram. And oh, we should see that see on YouTube. Well, I mean, to some degree, we do it now, like yeah. by talking on this inner tube um, and, and us. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're not helping. Um, we are eating our own tail. We at this absolutely. Very but my, my point is, is, I think when you combine all these elements that are sort of in the air, and and just you know, it's like yes, it, how the the activism and yet the complete amnesia that very much the, these next few generations are coming from i think when you combine all these elements together it's just like oh well you know we completely uh, fracked this hill and all the crops are dying oh but we can just genetically modify other organisms let's just do that you know like we can just move we can just shuffle resources around and so whatever aesthetic i think is coming it's going to be born out of that I, some way i think i know? mean just I, just recently there's been um uh you know i think the new Total Recall and the new Judge Dredd movie both both kind of have a similar aesthetic, and it's similar to Wally and stuff like that. I think Wally has two aesthetics, which is interesting. See, I just I like I the uh, I I think there's something there to what you're saying, but I think what Wally is doing I'm is different. But but it's the it, well, it's the wasteland aesthetic, and it's very much the the a lot of the aesthetic now that we're seeing at least in large scale sci-fi is we basically it's almost like you were saying but on a grander scale it's like we fucked up this hill but we're going to go over to that hill and yeah. just and just put up a fence to keep that what we did to that yeah. hill out um because that's that's what it is now a lot of sci-fi movies are there's giant desert outside the walls and we're basically we've only got the one city left right. and and we're you know we're just building up or we're building down yeah, exactly. or, you know well mega city 1 and mega city 1 like i said like and, and total yeah. recall the the city the uh, you know the 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 colony and yeah. Total Recall was very much like that. We didn't really get to see the the other side of things, but um, the the whole idea of total, of the new Total Recall lacking Mars is that most of the planet's uninhabitable now. Right. Um, I feel like maybe we're seeing we're maybe that's that's the latest now concern that's being translated into into you know sci-fi mirror. I think. Uh, so I think Wally is doing something slightly different. I think it's connecting. The two concepts, the the Logan's Run style, it's connecting the Logan's Run style yeah. to the Blade Runner style, right? And it's it's connecting those ideas and saying, you know, when you if you were to watch Logan's Run or any of that clean future stuff, what's actually happening below the surface or what happens prior in order to enable the Logan's Run was the 
Blade Runner style. And so I guess that kind of goes into what you're talking about, how starting over. But starting over and while ignoring the consequences of your previous of the action. Previous. That's what but I'm do you, saying. But do you feel like the axiom ignores oh, yeah. the, the consequences of the by and large? Yeah, of the planet. Absolutely, because no, but most of those people don't I, know that ever. Because happened. it's completely augmenting the whole idea of community and like a communal society. Like it's completely changed. Everybody's. Di- I mean, the the great shots that are in Wally are the things like when they're on their little chair looking at a screen, talking to the screen, somebody else on the other side of the ship, next while him. the other person over there is having their own. Co- like there's a person sitting there next to him and they're doing like their own thing. No one's like communicating with each other and. And the, yeah. you know what what destroyed what destroyed I mean we're talking about Wally now but what de- what destroyed the pla- we should do Wally yeah we well, should what destroyed but what des- what destroyed the planet in is the the by and large thing is the rampant consumerism that's not fixed on the axiom they're yeah. still doing okay, they're still doing true. it they've just shifted they've just shifted it they've yeah. just they've just they've created something new out of the sky to continue the same bad behavior yeah right you know okay. what I mean? I was uh, the the way I was approaching the reason I asked the question is because it uh, the axiom by necessity had to be completely self sustainable yeah versus the planet Earth situation where they <laughs> you know the Earth is self sustainable as long as you're not an asshole yeah <laughs> you know, like, as long as you don't have a cancer on it which right. is what we are so uh, and not to yeah you know, and, and this is all like what see I lo- okay going back to the actual movie, movie on the yeah. screen I I am perfectly on board with the the kind of Dutch angle back and forth, you know the the momentum steady cam chasing him around. That's great. Yeah. Don't go. But going past that, like you were talking about the the Resident Evil four or five or whatever, where there were a, you know <laughs> a ton of cuts. He's gone the other way too. I remember he did a panel at uh, at Comic Con, or they did a Resident Evil pan- okay, panel. Okay, those Dutch angles are a little much. Yeah, they did a Resident Evil panel at Comic Con where they showed footage from the latest thing, and it was a fight scene. And it was like five minutes long, and it was literally all in slow motion, <laughs> all in like really over over wrought in and it's, it's choices for the sake of choices. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's just I got to do something to put my stamp on it, as opposed to this is what makes the most sense to be able to tell this story. Right. And this 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 movie is making stylistic choices, but it's doing it because it. It enhances the story, or at the, if it fails to do that, at least it's with the goal of enhancing it's the story. It's an honest attempt, yes, yeah. as opposed yeah. to just being cool. It's, because the it's style is still pegged to some thematic reason, as yes. opposed in the Resident Evil, it's just style for the sake of, sake so, of yeah, style. Yeah. yeah. Um, here's here's the thing. Like, okay, this scene scared. The fuck, uh, out of me. Yeah, fuck this scene. This is the scariest scene in the whole movie. Yes. It really and what is. I like, what I we're like talking about, about the airlock scene. The airlock, uh, yeah, the decompression scene. What I like about sort of what this movie does is and and is that a lot of haunted house movies is like, oh, something really bad happened here, so spooky ghosts and spirits, and that's the reason why things suck now, and, and that's why they're thinking this is haunted. And what this movie does, I think successfully, maybe, I guess miles may vary, but it links a, quote, scientific reason that you would have, quote, you know, this, this idea of a ghost uh, or a possession or of uh, sp- uh, what you would normally say is a spiritual influence on in a haunted house movie. This is a trans-dimensional influence, uh, you know, and the, the, it gives reason. It gives like a scientific form for the content, yeah. and or at least it attempts to. And again, mileage may vary, but you get all the same horror movie tropes, all the same ghostly tropes, all the same possession tropes. But here, it just uses this idea of you know infinite horror and pain vis-a-vis the universe, right. as a way to do it. And I guess that worked for me. Yeah, these are the guys that stared in the abyss, yeah, and saw exactly. nothing but the abyss staring back. I just saw and more went space. all bibbledy. Yeah. And went all bibbledy. Also, but the, uh, the spikes. Yeah, 
Well, speaking of... The other terrifying part of it, I mean, it's terrifying enough that he's, you know, possessed and, and doing this. And that's a that's a haunted house trope. You know, the little kid gets possessed and tries to kill themselves or tries to kill other people. Or seeing images of your loved ones. Like, we pass by where she sees her son with all these horrible lesions yeah. and pox on his, on his leg. She just had an ugly kid. That's not his fault. Yeah. It's also, but but also the the really terrifying part of it is the fact that once once this starts happening, the possession breaks and he snaps out of it. And he sna- yeah. yeah, he snaps and it's out. Too of late. It. That's the uh, that was done perfectly in season two of uh, of Buffy, actually. Oh yeah, because Angel becomes like Angel's gets his soul stripped of him, and right. uh, Buffy's fighting him, and there and he's opened this dimensional doorway, and she's got to close it with his blood. And Willow, meanwhile, is trying to work to restore his soul. And right before Buffy runs him through, his soul comes back. Right. Said- she, she still has to do it. At that point, there's nothing that will close it. So she has to kill you know, the love of her life, who is now restored to her. And that's the only way. You yeah. said the DP of Princess Bride shot this film? Yeah. Wow. Uh, oh, this is gnarly. Yeah. Uh, this is gnarly. Yeah, this is fucked up, yo. Yeah. Mm-mm. This is very... Uh, this is, this is the, uh, this is the first time I learned that... Uh, that uh, about the blow all the air out of your lungs right. and you could actually you could actually reasonably sur- survive this for a few seconds yeah you, 90 you seconds. a little bit yeah. of time here's yeah. what i want to know lawrence fishburne's character has like a protocol for all of this and he has a plan yeah so my question is what in his past well like, he may just be thinking on his feet yeah he may be but I, I don't know he acts like he's done this before i would like, imagine any well, well the ball and, is probably just to preserve warmth yeah the blowing out your air so you don't embolize your lungs yeah uh, I mean, it all makes sense. Oh, man. Don't yeah. know what the fuck that was. I don't think that's, that's accurate. That's, no. no. Whatever. No. But it's, it's, I mean, your blood would, all the liquid in your body would be boiling. boiling. That's yeah. the process. And but. and the idea that, you know, that people had the idea that in the vacuum you would explode. So, like, he's, his, his internal organs are, exp- we know that now that that's not really what would happen. But his internal organs, I think, are kind of expanding. So, he's, he's you know, the, like the veins bulge up and stuff. So, I think there's a lot of hemorrhaging going I on. I think the idea there, and I don't know the actual physics of it, but... If your blood is boiling off, then maybe the idea is it's expanding in that space. Maybe. Well, I don't, I don't think it would actually. Gas. Your, your, blood, your blood would boil. It's sublimating, yeah. It's way when, after the the accessible surfaces on the outside of your body would boil, though. Like yeah. your eyes and your tongue would boil. Yeah, it wouldn't actually look blood. like that, but yeah. still. The, there's large swatches. Jason Isaacs wouldn't boil. There's large swatches of this movie where it's <laughs> just, just blink. Sam Neill being scared in a chair. Yeah, there's there's like a whole there's a whole scene work he does where it's just him freaking out in a chair. Which is which actually kind of makes that turn amazing because it seems like he's the he's going to yeah. be the guy who who has to make it through and in the end he becomes the antagonist. Yep. <laughs> you know what I think actually works for us about this movie that might not work for everyone. I think um, it would be very easy to watch this movie and luckily none of us fell this way on it but it'd be very easy to watch this movie and when it gets to the second third act break and in fishburne's like nope fuck that ship uh people would be like ah there it is we were waiting for an excuse to blow up this ship right but something that i think we all appreciated about it is there's not a lot of horror movies where the guy who's in control of what the group is doing makes the call nope fuck it it's always one of the guys off to the side that says you know it's like it, there's a landing cap in the woods like that i'm drawing the line in the sand do not read the fucking latin but he gets overpowered um there's very rarely an opportunity for the person who's in, who's in control of the whole team when they're dealing with some fucking awful terror to go nah nah you know what never mind let's just not even do this anymore and yeah, leave because, because so we're totally on board it's like no we're leaving 
Thank you. They usually they, 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 it happens, but they usually as in the it case happened in the this, abyss too. They usually decide a little too late. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like well, like Amityville, Amityville horror and stuff like that. It's very similar. It, it, this is basically Amityville horror in space in a lot of ways. Um, but by the time they try to escape, the house is kind of gotten its claws in them. <laughs> they do manage to escape. <laughs> they even have like the spot. random lightning flash, yeah. in the background. That's what I'm, I'm surprised. Nebula or something because right. you well, know the, the princess the atmosphere of the, the, the princess whatever. bride does a lot of things really really well, but there's there's some really <laughs> weird. The photography in that movie. I, I'm not a huge fan of most of the photography in that movie. I, I get the idea. The that, photography of Princess Bride is not actually that. Yeah, great. The, the, I, I get flat. the idea that Ryan wanted it to be uh, uh, sort of timeless and storybook and a little bit detached from reality in terms of how the lighting works and it's a little bit too warm, a little bit too flat. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's all there's you know, and I'm not going to blame the D- the DP for a couple of crash zooms in Princess Bride, but there are two of them. <laughs> um, one when he's approaching Wallace Shawn for the Battle of the Wits, and the other one is right after the As You Wish Hillfall. They just fucking they're like pushing in with the cameras like fuck 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 zoom and you get a couple right. of those moments but it's not something that you think of and go yeah that was the stylistic lighting in the princess bride was great the only really cool lighting gag in the entire movie is when Diego Montoya is looking at the sword and he's got the god rays behind him this is a really really stylized lighting th- th- theory going on in this movie and i tip I, for the most part i like it yeah and it's 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 just it's weird to see a dp go both sides on that i guess dps are probably more bored or easily put into a niche than other members of the crew uh, oh, yeah. Where it's like, oh, I, you know, I need to get the I need to get the guy who does this kind of lighting. But yeah. I, I guess Bill Pope. But that doesn't make sense because Bill Pope does everything, too. DP by nature has to be a natural team leader yeah. because they are very much in charge of running a couple different sort of mini crews. Like they're very much they have their own meetings. They do their own thing like like outside of the director. Like they confer with the director, but they run their own. They, in some respects, they run their own ship, especially on a set. Uh, between you know focus puller camera ops and lighting and key grip and they're, you know, they're a department head a DP yeah. might be forgotten in many conversations about how a movie turned out but they're generally one of the most important figures yeah, on the thing absolutely. especially in terms not just for how it looks but how it feels I mean how it feels is largely derived from how it looks well that's ex- but that's exactly I think uh, what, what goes into uh, the, the dichotomy that we're looking at right now which is in a film like this Excuse me. In a film like this, how it looks in the atmosphere is very important. In a film like The Princess Bride, it's kind of like, well, as long as we can see him and the camera's pointed at him, as and long it's as in photons focus, bounce off of yeah, them and hit the lens, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter. So I'm, I'm like you said, I'm sure uh, part of it was wanting to make it kind of timeless and stuff like that, and part of it was just we don't need know, to go fancy with this shit. It's yeah, the we Princess don't need Bride. to go fancy. We can shoot it, and and maybe they wanted to shoot quickly because The Princess Bride almost feels a little bit more like TV lighting, like they kind of yeah. just lit everything. Thing, yeah, so they could just yeah. go. You know what else does too? Hmm. Most of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. If you go well, back yeah. and watch Return of the Jedi, it's actually Most, there, kind of a weird. Return like, of the Jedi the, is very workman. The night, the night, su- the night stuff uh, when Luke surrenders has like a feel to it. Also, uh, at the very end, at the, when the Andor celebration and like you see, yeah. you know, that's, and Jabba's palace, Jabba's palace has some feel to it. But, the, uh, but I mean, well, I get, they have shadows. But I'm just saying they look, <laughs> yeah. they look well, a little no, bit like. I, I would argue not just shadows. I'd also t- like color palette to a degree in some of those scenes. Not believe me. By and large, the movie you're absolutely right. I'm just saying there's a couple. I'm just saying Return of the Jedi always looks a little bit like a TV movie to me. No, it it definitely does. And yeah, the the. The, the Empire doesn't. No, Empire, very different thing. And Star Wars kind of splits the difference in terms of visual. No, Star Wars is very, Star Wars is very flatly lit. It's flatly lit and and actually shot. It's the special effects and the actual production design that makes Star Wars visually worth looking at. I just like the. I, I, it's inter- I, I don't often pay enough attention to what the DP is doing because his decision isn't 
a decision he made for this one shot and then watch this shot. How'd you like that shot? He's making big ass sweeping calls for the entire movie about how you're going to handle certain things, certain right. locations and certain. Right. And it might change when you're dealing with certain different emotions, even if you've already established a, a template for the rest of the movie. And I, I like what he's doing throughout this entire movie. Like right now it's subdued. There's colors and shadows and it's it's pretty, but it's not a, it's not really stylized right now. Uh, it's just. I don't know. I, I I like the way this movie looks. The, the movie. What I always took away from like, especially when you get in the second half or like the the middle third of this this movie, the everything has got like a grit and a tone to it. Like it's definitely like a what you would call a quote you know dark movie. But the the colors still kind of pop on everything, and it's not just because this is a, a nice TV, which it is. But, Thank you. Uh, no, but like skin tone never like it's very hard to like get things really dark without losing your skin tone. Yeah. You know what I mean, and they managed to do that here like and it's it's a combination and of underlighting especially and, with a dark skin lead well like yeah. right there he's got a purple gel on the left side like so by, by that wasn't there in the other shot no it was not well he only on the t- only when he went tight do you see that it's certainly not there in the wide definitely not there in the wide but there's there's ways where like the dp did a good job of like keeping everyone's like they're in the same zone <laughs> yeah yeah even though they're actually of different skin colors well they're not yeah. of different skin colors they're just of different like you know uh, darknesses the the this the skin color skin color is the same skin tones are the same for everyone yeah They're just the pigmentation is yeah. what changes it like it's but it just it's, gets it's darker and lighter but it's the same well, tone. Be, black people well, get sunburned see well you know what i meant <laughs> but uh, they expose differently on camera you need sure. more f-stops for one than the yes. other yes, you, you would use a green screen on one and a blue screen on the other yes i understand <laughs> but uh the that's true by uh, the way it's also yep. it's also worth noting that uh this was before they Nowadays, you would just color grade it and go up oh, skin tones, rank, and just pull them back to where they you feel like they ought to be. Um, Push the middle wheel to yellow. Yeah, yeah. That's, but it's it's. <sighs> Can the left side of this shot be incredibly orange? Yeah, I, I worked with a key grip once on my buddy Short, who was just it was it was a bit ridiculous because the scene we were shooting was going to be transferred to VHS and then played on an actual VHS tape to mimic something like mimic like an instructional so on, on the day well no so like we were shooting a thing that was going to be later on uh played on a tv so that you would inside see of a scene inside of a scene okay so okay. we're shooting that stuff and it's like dude we're, we're gonna oh this is bad there we go oh, now we we're go. seeing now we're seeing hell happening yeah here so when he says yeah p- save yourself from hell and i love best line ever perfect comedic timing we're leaving. <laughs> yeah. just, just, fuck this. Like, so you watch this on the screen. Beat. 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 We're leaving. <laughs> we're leaving. Bye. Okay. It's just like, I like how he's quickly. Like, we're not even like, going to discuss this. He's we're like, just, well, they did a good job. I, I will say they did a very good job of like, they saved the full Monty of that reel till this point right this is this is the act three break right yeah, here exactly so yeah. it's like so they did it and they're building to it and it could very easily have been a thing where it's like it didn't build it didn't like the, the payoff didn't earn it that but. could have been the first thing we saw when we came on the ship yeah. that's actually something that, that i hear from um younger folk uh who watch alien for the first time like my, my sister and some of her friends uh, talk about alien as being incredibly boring and none of the tension works. Huh. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I can see that given... The, what we've the, seen. So well, well, given given the shift in attention span. But they say that about Empire, culturally. so fuck everybody. Well, I also think like, yeah. Well, think, for people who are used to watching YouTube videos and being entertained... oh here three, comes old Brian. <laughs> this bitch. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> but but you we wore the, onions on our belts. It was the style at the time. <laughs> the style at the time. <laughs> but it, when the... Uh, 
when your attention span is geared towards three minute length entertainments, when sure. it, then when it takes you forty minutes to actually get to the alien, I could see that being an issue. Want to make a web series? They <laughs> they should still go die and you know get some culture you damn kids but uh i i can see where they're coming from even if it kills my soul you know it's it's weird happening. it's like i was i mean if you look Go at play the, outside damn it if, if you look at the literal definition of generation see this X, frisbee it's mine now <laughs> if you look at the literal definition of generation x there I, is a literal definition yeah no that was the name of an actual generation of uh, like the kids of the boomers you know like so it that and the the outward cusp of it is basically right around when i'm born so like 76 to 80 no like like 68 to 77 78 like that's or 67 to like 70s to 7 78 something like yeah. that i'm born kind of on the cusp of that and in some ways i identify with generation x in some ways i identify with what has been referred to as everything from generation y to the millennials, millennials. Yeah. you know so i i feel like i've got a foot in both you know, sides of the fence on this one, but I'm really afraid that the generation after this is going to, I swear to God, be called Generation TLDR. Like, yeah. I really <laughs> am, like, the attention span is just going to be oh, look at that. That's shrunken nice down. And it's just going to be shock for the sake of shock of it. I, I'm that's why I'm like praying that there's going to be some twenty year old kid who hangs on a shot for fifteen seconds. Like, I, I hope that kid is born sometime soon. Is it just me, or are these the anim- anamorphic bokas in the background wrong? Aren't they? Shouldn't they be going horizontally, not vertically? No, vertical. Anamorphic, anamorphic bokeh is uh, uh, taller vertically than it is horizontally. Oh, right. Okay, because they don't. It's the they fl- don't. They don't pull the. They don't pull the sides out. They pull the top and down. No, no, up. no. They no. Okay. No. It's the the flares should be horizontal and the bokeh is vertical because the reason the the reason the bokeh is vertical is on a pure anamorphic lens, like just just pure squeeze. The way it's geared, if when you get into close-ups and when you focus close-up, you can, it, it has a tendency to make like close-ups look fat. Mm-hmm. It, it it puts a little bit more. It doesn't it widens out people. It faces. widens out people's faces. It like unsqueezes a little bit too much. Okay. So what they do is they have gearing in it that as you as you pull closer, it increases the amount of squeeze that it puts on it to to maintain the right kind of proportions on whatever's in focus but hmm. that means that what's in the deep background is getting, focus is getting extra squeeze is getting extra squeeze so it becomes a vertical bulk. and we pay off this oh damn she fell into quentin tarantino just there yeah that was <laughs> that was really brutal but not but not not unreasonably so you look at that and you're like that's probably what a body exploding into blood looks about like my favorite is actually in the departed because you see you see the the dummy hit the ground or fall past frame and then you just see spray uh-huh. like you just see spray coming into into frame <laughs> princess poopy pants in the chat yeah. room says anamorphic bokeh is my new prog band <laughs> you know what the you know There's, what you know they, what it is about this time travel machine well it's not a time tra- the, the warp drive or whatever the, time the fuck. space machine far yeah. too many spot uh, far too many ikea lights and spikes yeah. well it's 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 the fact that it doesn't look futuristic it looks Ancient. It, yeah, yes. it's yeah. like Stargate. Like, yeah, we're, we're, fi- we're five years out. No, we're two. It looks like something the orcs would make. We're three years out from Stargate at yeah. this point. So, I mean, it's it, 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 they had to have. I don't know. That, what that makes it, but but I, I I absolutely agree with that, and I I I like that about it, and I that's that's part of the almost again Lovecraft didn't really have an aesthetic because he just wrote words, but if you <laughs> times if you, new if you sir. think of a, a Lovecraftian, you know he he was very much about the ancient about ancient things, yeah, and so yeah. that that idea makes well, a lot it's, of sense. It's, it's very there's much two, there's two sci-fi looks. There is the look that clunks, and there's the look that goes. Pss. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's there's basically two two minds of it. There's the we built this version that we built the the switch doors. Yeah. And then there's the mind of the ancient aliens built it already, right. and we're rediscovering it. Right. right. The uh, we're apparently watching Solaris right yeah. now. It um, it also it, it yeah, does. It's about to get a little booby in here. It does turn a little bit. Uh, it's Lovecraftian, but it also, especially when he goes all the way over and he's lost his eyes and stuff like that. And even here, it's also a bit Clive Barker. I think yeah. all of the, the, the all the blood and stuff like that. Actually, I was I There's was a bit just of Hellraiser thinking, in here. Yeah. I was about to say exactly that. There's a bit this of Hellraiser. Could, in this here. could easily you could easily rewrite this script very minimally and turn it into a Hellraiser film. Yeah. Um, which I mean, they already have a Hellraiser in space. <laughs> you just but. you just erase space and you write. Arctic, yeah, and you know, with a no, question no, but, mark. But there's the, <laughs> the fourth Hellraiser movie is is Hellraiser in space, yeah. at least in part. Yeah. So, so it is that what it's called? Because that's a great title, then, Hellraiser in space. My, you know, to this day, my no, favorite, it's Hellraiser Blood. My favorite Friday the Thirteenth movie is Jason X. To this day, I, mm-hmm. I absolutely that movie doesn't give a fuck, and I admire its balls. Yeah, that that like you said, that was uh, that was. That little interlude with his wife killing herself and stuff like yeah. that. That was very that, that was borderline Kubrick. That was that was, was Kubrick, that was straddling yeah, yeah. that was, was straddling two, shining going on. Shining yeah. in two thousand one. Yeah. In one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so space and tub well, full of blood. Of, yeah. And if you well if you ever reach, if you ever see the original Solaris, the uh, the European version, uh, it, it very much that's that's very much the influence. It's like, oh it's 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 kind of a Kubrickian uh, sci fi movie. Because when Kubrick does sci fi, it, it's got these kind of tones of melancholy to it like a lot of 2001 is to me is just very sad like it's just very like lonely and mm. kind of gloomy and at least you know to me it's and melancholy I melancholy think, yeah. is, is is a good word for it which honestly i think moneyball is very melancholic i agree you know like yeah. especially the score the score is what tips the hat like it's it's like you're never supposed to get too happy in moneyball yeah. you know and well and then the way it ends and yeah everything, it's like that it's like this it, is a depressing movie total actually. fearic victory total yeah. like just complete you know this movie is is not just melancholy. It's horrifying in many respects. Yeah, and, you know. Oh yeah, that's right. The bombs have all been disarmed here. Yeah. Right. Well, this is. Although I gotta say that th- this is a very. I, I don't. I didn't mean to cut no, you off. That's fine. That's fine. The the design of this ship. If you're gonna have a door to hell dimension, why not make the ship? basically two things connected by a very thin neck that you can blow up yeah. like that that makes a lot of sense well that i mean that's they that's one way that's, that's one way to saucer separate yeah like, yeah and, that, and that's basically you know the plot reason for it but it that also exists in a, in a sense in actual you know probe design when yeah. we have uh when probes are nuclear powered in some regard they you know because of the physics right it has to be kind of at the end of a boom so that's you'll see uh You'll see that's design in certain uh, deep space probes. The Why probes is that? that go, I'm curious. What's that? Why is there a, is there a, like elevator reason for that that you can give? Um, I th- I think the elevator way to say it, it's it's there. It's also part of the radiator. It's uh, to get rid of the oh the excess heat. heat. Okay, yeah. okay, sure. It's so if it's you look just, at the it's a look, big heat sink kind of yeah exactly. Okay. Well, it's it's obviously generating the most amount of waste heat. Uh-huh. So it's in order it's to keep it away from okay. the, the more delicate okay. machinery. And if you if you look at the um, the space station, you'll see it basically has giant radiators okay. on it to radiate heat. That's what the um, the that's why the space shuttles uh, bay doors were always open, regardless of whether they were actually mm. ejecting something or mm-hmm. not, because the radiators were the okay. insides of the shuttle doors. That's that's a big deal. Is you're just sitting there and you're going to eventually heat up unless you give that heat someplace to Somewhere go. To go, yeah. 
So is there? Here uh, here's a legit question. Yeah. Is there a mechanical reason to have an iris door in in space type situations? Um, because I've never gotten that. I guess it probably takes up less I, space than trying to retract an entire door just in one direction. Yeah, as opposed I, to you can just swing out a bunch of smaller pieces. That, maybe that yeah. enclosed. It seems yeah. like so, it would require I mean, a lot more coordination, though. And if one of those things fails, then fuck the door. <laughs> you know, true. But yeah, I mean, imagine imagine a sliding door. You know, normally a, a straight lateral sure. sliding door. You need a wall on either side for the that door to go yeah. to when it yeah, retracts. So yeah. With a iris, like a pocket door. The yeah, iris yeah. takes up much less space just around the exactly. margin of the that door. Makes yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So if you have if you have like a thinner hull, or like you know a thinner outside of the of the frame, then yeah, you would need. An yeah, iris, but right? yeah. but yeah, you would you would want to make sure that your technology is reliable enough <laughs> that one of those pedals is not going to fail on you. Right. I love like I'm sorry. The only other black dude there, he can't just say here yeah. I come or woohoo. It's here I come, motherfuckers. Yeah. Yeah. He's not racist at all. Hollywood. He's definitely as much as like Lawrence Fishburne is the anti that. He's mm. just like this quiet, dignified. Yeah. The other guy is very much more the black the stereotype, stereotypical. Yeah. Whatever I, that means. I yeah. Cause, uh, yeah. Cool, bitch. Yeah. Uh, all right, tone it down, dude. It's the future. <laughs> God damn it. We're beyond this now. There we go. Little. That would that honestly that looked like a Mortal Kombat effect. Like, yeah, that looked like because Mortal Kombat has some fucking bad effects. I think the I think the best uh, the best empty eye socket effect I've seen and uh, you know don't... <laughs> let's just let's just stop and think about that sentence. Yeah, for, top for ten. A second. <laughs> uh, top ten empty socket empty eyeball socket effects. Don't necessarily don't necessarily quote me on this because it's been a while since I saw it. But um, Minority Report. The, okay. His drug dealer yeah, yeah. had the empty eye sockets, and I think the Pirates has got good. a pretty good one. Um, Pirates, has, yeah, Pirates has a pretty good one. And uh, actually, if I recall correctly, Once Upon times. a Time in Mexico, oh yeah, had, yeah, had yeah, some yeah. pretty good. Uh, now, see again, effects. this is more Lovecrafting. You're just you're seeing a little bit of mouth, and then you're seeing the tools, and yeah. then you're just seeing sort of okay. He's sewing them back up, so obviously it's it's not for scientific purposes. Yeah. He's just fucking <laughs> with them now. Yeah, and there we go. <laughs> but that's a, yeah. This this is very saves the reveal. This is, oh, the, it's the Jesus. it's the it's the hooks and the the loose all, all oh of that stuff. <laughs> that's 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 a Hellraiser image yeah. for me. That's yeah, a Clive yeah. Barker type image. So I saw this with a, a young lady at the theater, and uh, by the end of this, she was pretty much just shivering in fear and hate and yeah. everything. <laughs> I love that the the drills are actually torqueless. That's that's fantastic. And so in space, when like for example, when people are building the space station, torque you have to deal with torque, and it's a zero gravity situation. So when you're drilling something <laughs> on Earth, the Earth is stopping you from spinning right. the opposite way. <laughs> that would be so torque. awesome. <laughs> but nothing is nothing happens. I want to nothing see is stopping that from happening in space. I want to see a fight scene in space where a guy just gets a power drill. And just defends <laughs> multiple attackers by just doing by just horizontal spinning. spinning. <laughs> if it can work in Gymkhana, it can work in in space with a power drill. Anyway, so what NASA had to do was build uh, special drills that would contain the torque within them. That's so crazy. So that the astronaut wouldn't spin as they're doing it. And so it's, I think that's what they're doing here. I mean, I think that's what the purpose of that design. That seems is. like a rather accurate. tricking engineering task. Yeah, it reminds me of that episode of The Simpsons where Homer goes to the into Australia to the American consulate in Australia. Oh, it's yeah. like here we have we've devised a special device that makes the toilet flow the right way. Yeah, and he flushes it, and there's this giant machine kicks in, and the water stops and yeah. reverses, yeah. and and Homer just and he just has the tear. The tear and he's, America. Yeah. Yeah, he starts singing the national anthem. (laughs) (laughs) I swear that grace to me. 
and uh, and of course the the whole point was he actually looks like he's Bart in a castle at the moment. See it go the opposite direction. Look at this. Ca- yeah, I yeah. mean this. Yeah, and I, uh, that looks intentional. Outside of the jump. Oh yeah, maybe. I yeah. Think so. Okay. All right. And Jolie Richardson. Okay. Now is it Jolie Richardson or is it uh, uh, Laura Dern? That is Jolie Richardson. That's Jolie Richardson. She if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I honestly, think I could go either way. I think she's related to Natasha Richardson. She is. I think she's. They're, I think she they're is. sisters. They're sisters. Yeah. I was kidding. By the way, I was just saying that they look a lot alike. And it's uh, Sam, Sam Neill has seen better days. Um, yeah. Honestly, like if if uh, Stephen Hawking went this way one day, I would not be <laughs> entirely surprised. <laughs> yeah. He's like fuck. Thunk. <laughs> Like what if what if Stephen Hawking continues to get smarter and <laughs> and, and goes insane, and goes hyper sane <laughs> on us? He turns into like Barkley from that episode of Next Generation where he gets super smart and he just like starts. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you how to build one. Yeah. No, I just, I could just imagine like see like Stephen Hawking going, "Your blood is the truest lie of all." Like <laughs> I just he's just come to some insane conclusion and you can't really argue with him because he's Stephen Hawking and <laughs> so. I guess the the idea of what they're doing here is is pretty cool. It's the idea of okay, so you're going through two points of space by going through what's called hyperspace or the fifth dimension, or is an, another actual theorized uh, fifth spatial spatial dimension uh, that we have. Which, if you ever if you have the chance, I would recommend reading Hyperspace by Michio Kaku, which kind of goes into this. Okay. Uh, um, I will not into the stuff, but it's good. <laughs> you're but, not you're not a, a Kaku fan. I. Don't know. Kako is bueno. <laughs> <laughs> what? Anyway. Okay. If, if anyone is going to go, like, hyper crazy, it's, it's Michio Kako, though. Yeah. yeah. I, I gotta say. Well, he's he's also, like, apparently, like, really anti-nuclear when it comes to space probes, yes, which doesn't is. really make any sense. Uh, but anyway. Uh, I, I'll, I'll just say this. When I was cutting my money on the moon special, whenever yeah. I needed an opinion on anything in any direction, I went to Michio Kako. Okay. There you so. go. Uh, so the idea is, you know, you would travel through this uh, fifth spatial dimension. And in doing so, so, the analogy that gets used is imagine like you were a two-dimensional creature and you lived on a two-dimensional world. Right. And there was simply no third spatial dimension for you whatsoever. And you were a point. And so your house was a literally a square. Right. Imagine if a sphere, a three-dimensional sphere, were to pass through your two-dimensional existence. Yeah. What it would look like to you is a is, ring that gets bigger. Is a ring that a something that appears out of nowhere, a point that appears out of nowhere, gets bigger for a certain period of time, then gets smaller, and then disappears. back to a point, and then disappears. Yeah. So, I remember this. It's, uh, yeah. It's, okay. uh, it's flat. It's called Flatland. It's actually a really old story. It goes. It's like free not, for Kindle. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. But uh, I think it goes not quite as far back as Jules Verne, but that's general period of history. Um, and so the same general idea is were we to travel through this fifth uh, spatial dimension through hyperspace, it would essentially be the same effect for us because our brains being descended from basically primates from the African savanna are simply not wired to be able to visualize what the fifth spatial dimension looks right. like. So were we to theoretically travel through it, it would look like just shapes and colors appearing and randomly changing shapes and coming together and just not making any sense from our point of view because we're simply not wired to be able to understand it it's not part of our our hard wiring uh and i think that's what they're trying to do with this is like okay they went through hyperspace they saw all that crazy hyperspace shit and just couldn't make sense of it and then when they came back 
it drove them all mad. I, th- I think this. I think this movie. I think you could just easily make that that argument. I think this movie is making the the argument that there is a there is a. There is an intelligence in space. Force behind there's an intelligent yeah. there's force. There's a malevolence on the other side. Yeah, there's yeah. there's something malevolent about the other side. It's it's not a it's not just purely they they went beyond their their own understanding. It's like there is there is a force that's driving this. Well, and not only that, there's a line from it's like the it, this is this is basically the shining in space. Event Horizon is the overlook. It is alive. Right. It yeah. has a, a consciousness and a will. It has a shine to it. Um, the there's a line Sam Neill has where he kind of says almost like two opposite things. He says it's pure chaos, it's pure, pure evil. evil, and those things really don't com- they're not yeah. that compatible when you think about it. Yeah. And like chaos would be one thing. Chaos would be like, chaos wouldn't care. Chaos wouldn't have a preference of the way you know. It w- it chaos w- is a lack of a pattern, yeah. exactly. And and whereas evil is very much a pattern. And and so I think and that's a very that's almost a very puritanical way of viewing it. Is like. It's not good, so therefore it's chaotic, and chaotic is inherently evil. Mm-hmm. Right. So, unless you're chaotic neutral, chaotic neutral. <laughs> I I wanted my D and D character to be chaotic neutral so bad, my DM would never let me because you would be a force to be reckoned with if you were chaotic he, he, neutral. I tried. I tried. Like I tried physically demonstrating it by just walking and flailing my arms and limbs <laughs> in every direction. <laughs> maybe that's why. I mean, maybe you, you thought that was going to help. He had a hard time conceptualizing it, but it was just like. You know. <laughs> Did you go? My band in high school, I pitched very hard for our name to be Chaotic Neutral, but... Chaotic Neutral is a good name for us. I was outvoted. Internet, make it happen. There we go. Our last last little scare. Yeah. (laughs) And again, like you say, he can't just say, it's me, Cooper. Yo, don't hit me! (laughs) That's his entrance. Man. (laughs) Oh, God. I would love to see a sci-fi movie with a largely black cast and then, like, the one white dude that they just tolerate his idiocy barely tyler like, perry in space ty- yeah i'm dying for a tyler perry in space movie i would i, I would see it i would like th- <sighs> here's how much it, i want to see it i would actually see it i've they've earned it they've so earned it like sci-fi has not been kind to people of color i'm just i want to see pacific islanders in space fuck no. anything at this point like <laughs> to get the white people out of well space. the ship is shaped like a ukulele I want to see a horror movie where all the characters keep trying to throw the black guy like under the bus, keep being like, "You go towards the monster because you first. and then but he's the one who makes it to the end. Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, <laughs> what? And then and then they've just got to live with like race guilt the entire trip. Yeah. Home. And they're <laughs> like, it, "Yeah, the black guy saved the day because we were trying to get uh, we we were trying to get him killed. And <laughs> we weren't paying attention. How, we're space racists. Yeah, space. Funny how uh, Night of the Living Dead it goes is like completely the opposite yeah. of like, that trope. Just quietly. Is, did it and yeah. no one noticed it's not even a big deal but it's the black guy who makes it yeah. pretty much to the end <laughs> and he's yeah but where did that trope come from Subse- subsequent to Night of the Living Dead oh, I don't know God, I think we're all just that. racist I think that's what yeah, that's kind of what it boils down to yeah fuck you fuck you yeah no that's an appropriate walls reaction. are bleeding yeah probably doing the same thing yeah see this is this is this is no longer just uh, mood and tension. This is shit happening, and it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> and there's your shiny. And so movie. there's yeah, your the elevator. Literally, yeah. Gone. That's funny. The blood usually gets off on B deck. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a three for reference wise. <laughs> was that The Simpsons, oh, The Shining, and Star Trek? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Wow. Generic. She's stuff. remarkably okay. Yeah. Now she's getting rained on a bit, but for being in the flood, she kind of made it out pretty dry. There we go. 
There's a god. Yeah, like, there's a there's a ticking clock now. <laughs> now it's an action movie a little bit. Now it's an action horror more than it was before. Certainly, it's interesting how they. Um, you know, because in Titanic, they have to do the, okay, so we have to lay out in graphic form what is going to happen to the ship. And they do that at the beginning. Here, when they're talking about, okay, the the, the neck is going to separate and we're going to fly to safety and everything. Oh, my God. Look at that. Uh, That's pretty bad. Good job, y'all. Nah, for That's its time. Pretty, yeah, you, got a, you got a crash zoom going on there. I still don't understand the funhouse mirror hallway. I don't. That's they the explained only... it earlier. They said it does something to help the magnetic, the magnetic field of the thingy not actually yeah. destroy the ship. Thank God we invented the blah, yeah, blah, Whatever blah. device. Um, what was I saying? Oh, heroic oh. sacrifice time here. Here we go. They, uh, they didn't actually do the, the graphic explain, you know, the as you know, okay, we'll do this. And then we have the little graphic display of what happens to the ship. Until it was until much much later, they didn't like lay that out at the beginning, which I actually don't mind in this it's, because it it still feels like it comes up at the appropriate time. at the appropriate yeah. time. It's not yeah it it doesn't feel like it's a Deus Ex Machina where it's like oh of course they just happen to be able to d- yeah. it's like that's how ships work we understand that yeah. so it's just explaining exactly what we're looking for man I do not envy the guy who had to figure out how to make that fire work as best as he could and he right. did his best man that's a tricky thing to do the, I like the fire underwater that's that's a neat uh, little twist on the effect they actually ooh, in that, ooh. he's an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> Who's a cutter? Apparently, yeah. a, few, a few shots ago, this actually, is this is straight up almost pinhead. Yeah. at this point, a few shots ago, they actually had Lawrence Fishburne on fire. Like you could see, it was actually mm-hmm. him, and he had fire. He was you know, the more I watch this movie, I, and the more I think about it critically, I, I shouldn't like it, but I I do. I can't help but. Well, you know, I can't really see too many things that are wrong with it based on an understanding of what, you know, right. if you're if you're going to if you're coming in expect with the same expectations you had for like Prometheus or something, it's like, wow, that was dumb as hell. But right. if you not that Prometheus, no, this, fared, is, this better, movie is smarter than Prometheus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah, no, for real. Like it's this movie is more consistent and true to its own rules. Than, That's true. Than than Prometheus is. That's true. Uh, you're absolutely right. But but it's not. It's not pretending it's it's smart or philosophical. No, it's you know? it's, it's 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 a it's a blood party. Yeah, it's um, it's saying I'm here to scare you. Am I doing it? And you're like, yes, booga booga. Yeah. <laughs> Am I scaring you? You're scared. Yeah. You're scared, aren't you? Yes, I am. Well, then space go. baseball bat. You scared? That's. I mean, God bless America. <laughs> <laughs> he really. Yeah. He. He's kind of the an engineer. Spikes are burning. <laughs> they actually set the spikes Frame on fire. spikes. <laughs> well, how, gonna, how do you know your have, sci-fi action movie works? Do the spikes catch they're gonna fire? Have, they're going to have the monster truck rally in there after the hell dimension. Yeah. So. If you put a spike on the mantle in the first act, <laughs> by the third act, that spike must be on fire. It's a Dream well-known on. rule of Dream drama. On. Yeah, it's interesting that it goes from like the pure horror tension to like more of the action and the taking clock, but it doesn't... F- it doesn't feel wrong somehow. It just it just yeah. it flows really well because it makes sense that that you know something bad is you it's it makes for a good ending where where it's like something bad is going to happen. Very clearly we know what it is and there's a way to stop it. And you're able to do it whereas a lot of a lot of horror movies and a lot of supernatural movies it's kind of like you just have to get out and hope it eventually stops. So now at least we have the big red button that says <laughs> we have we have defeated the the hell. It's like two thousand one where hell. I, I will the say devil. like if you actually pause these still images, it's some pretty horrific shit. Yeah, like it's 
It's not fun. And it's a lot of work, too. It's a lot of prosthetic work for just these small images. For B, B-, B- unit. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if anyone on B units ever done that. I'm what? sure they have. Saying a little rap? No, the G unit thing. Oh. B-, B-, B unit. I think maybe for a week in 2002. <laughs> that was a fun week, though, right? You guys remember that week we were doing G unit jokes? I had uh, my first, one of my first editor gigs was uh, editor for a uncensored hip hop music video show called um, uh, Five Deadly Videos, and it was hosted by Ed Lover. <laughs> and we had a, a, a G Unit song that was like that was like one of our bigger ones was a G Unit song. I had to listen to goddamn G Unit for about a month. That's a very pretty shot. Yeah. Yeah, that's not so bad. A little procedural, but I'll, I'll allow it. I like the way the procedural stuff looks. A nice mixture of fire and hell. Either that or it's fire moving through the fourth dimension. Yeah. I like how the all the atmosphere gets sucked back in here. And Tricky. Spot comes back. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Is that a V'ger joke? Uh, no, it's a Wrath of Khan joke. Uh, Spot comes back. It's a Genesis joke. It's a Genesis joke, yeah. Gen- what have we become? <laughs> exactly what we are. Yeah. <laughs> The only person Event Horizon <laughs> reveals who you truly are. The only person you are destined to become is the person you decide to be, and that's what we have become. Wow, that's deep. It's Emerson, anyway, whatever. Something, something Lovecraft. Something, something. Yeah, let's talk about Lovecraft again. <laughs> yeah, something about fear. Well, I, you okay. know, I, I, the, the wide-eyed with caked blood on your face. Uh, oh yeah, this movie doesn't really have a happy ending. I forgot no. about that. It's like just kidding. You're still trapped. Which is, you know... Oh, is I I was just realizing I've completely forgotten what the ending was. It's just a little shocky. Uh-oh, nope, never mind, blah, blah. That's always... I, hmm. Do we still do that now? That, I feel like that's always the horror trope. You're, you've defeated the big villain, but then at the Prometheus end, did it. they come back. At the end, a xenomorph comes out. Yeah. Right. Prometheus did it. The, uh, you know, all the Nightmare on Elm Street ones did it. All oh, those slasher movies. Oh, uh, again, uh, Liar Liar. <laughs> A goose Uh, 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 Rescuers Down Under (laughs) Fuck you That was a great movie I love that movie Plus it had Ayers Rock Oh that's right Because Sam Neill is alive Even though he's been Splayed out Sort of all over the place That's right No that wasn't Sam Neill I thought that was uh, Jason Isaacs Yeah that was Jason Jason Isaacs Isaacs, Got all tore up So they put themselves Back in stasis Is there any version Of the future Where I don't have To get wet all the time yeah right. <laughs> Watch this when he takes off the mask. It's Jim Carrey. Hmm. <laughs> Told you, liar, liar. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. yeah. So that was a, that was a bad dream. But she's really okay. But she's really not because the ship is still right. Alive. Because in a second the door is going to close on its own. Yeah. Da da da. Three. So the two, door is the big reveal. One yeah. creepy door. Go. Yeah. Dun, 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 or the door, I, dun, I mean, dun, dun, you could interpret that as dun, just, you know, dun, dun, the door's, door's on a timer or whatever, the door's yeah. closing. Door on it's a like Inception. Timer. Yeah, I think, the, I think the implication is that it's still, a there's still a, closes a, a, after yeah, there's three. still a haunting there's still going a presence. on. Minutes, unless you adjust your door preferences. <laughs> dun, 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 you can't hear right now, but the song is uh, Funky Shit by Prodigy. Uh, which was a nice little capper to the whole thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it's better than The Matrix. What you say, what you say, what you yeah, say, they what? Kinda, they kinda, <laughs> they, they, yeah. I never quite agreed with that, but yeah. Come on! Anyway, Event Horizon, yeah, I, I it's felt, a pop... I thought it made me want to punch computers in the it's, face. It's a, the <laughs> Event Horizon is a popcorn movie, but it's a fun one. I like it. Uh, I can understand why most people think it's just kind of stupid schlock, but every now and then you got to let some stupid schlock in. Otherwise, how are you going to tell the good stuff from the bat? Event Horizon, we, Brian... 
Yeah, it's genre fair, but it's good genre fair. It knows what it is, and it does it well, and it doesn't try to pretend to be anything else. It doesn't make any hard left or right turns into being genre or a different genre or not genre like Sunshine does. Um, yeah. Dorkman. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of shitty horror films and shitty sci-fi films and Paul W.S. Anderson has made a couple of them. <laughs> He's made his contributions, but this is not this is not one of them. Um like you say, it's like and like we said, this is a movie that shows him goes, I'm gonna scare the fuck out of you, and it does, and that's all it tries to do, and it has no pretensions or anything like that, and I you what, know, what it's you a say, success. What would it's, you say to someone who said Event Horizon was fucking retarded? I'd ask him why they you know, I, I'd ask him to explain to, to describe, like, name a good movie. You know, name a good, yeah. name a good in this genre. Name a good haunted house movie. Name a good horror movie that that they consider. What that if they said Alien? No, well, okay. Well, that's then you'd be like, all right, that's, well, that's, not, that's not a that's can't account for taste. That's not a proper corollary, though. Like, yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street is probably closer in tone. Yeah, I mean, like it's 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 and, and not to cut off your thing, but it's like that's it's fine. you have to like you have to compare to to appear. You know, and there's something wrong with that. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, it's more well, like I mean, it's, it's appear in some ways and not appear in others. I mean, it's yeah. there's some ways in which it <laughs> the is. The clapper loader was proudfoot, and the actor was noseworthy. A lot of like confident body parts in this yeah. film. They're, they're hobbits. There are a lot of hobbit <laughs> names. Yeah, exactly. Proud feet. But uh, uh, yeah, I think it's if you like horror films, or if you think you don't like horror films because they're too graphic and stuff like that, I think Event Horizon Tracy is a Jordan. perfectly good example of a of a movie that within the genre that does its job it's scary it it sticks with you for a little while afterwards but you know it doesn't it's not taxing you don't have to try and figure out what the fuck's going on because it's not trying to say something about god or whatever (laughs) (laughs) and in this corner Wearing the plaid shorts, Eddie Dottie. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, not much more to say. That's already been said, but it's. It's a. It's. I'm glad. I'll tell you what. I'm glad there's not been any sequels. Like, if this thing you tried to franchise build, then we would have had a much less favorable. Because we'd be like, oh, the first one's not so bad, but by Event Horizon Six, I was just fucking. Like because of because there's this thing blatantly did not try to franchise build. It 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 remains at least amongst us apparently and only twenty five percent of the populace, uh, but amongst us it's like yeah that's totally fine it's it's it, it's better than Nightmare on Elm Street two it's it's <laughs> probably on par with Friday the Thirteenth six it's it it has a place amongst some of these or other movies yeah. and and I and it's because of the the sci fi and space setting it's just different enough to make it stand out a bit and at the end of the day there's absolutely nothing wrong with that yeah I, I mean it's kind of it's kind of movie junk food but you, sometimes you've got a craving to just get freaked out and this is a perfectly good movie to satisfy that craving and I'm glad we ate donuts while we watch this yes <laughs> thank, thank you Seth Brower thank you Seth Brower we also had strawberries yeah, yeah, yeah but fuck those I mean come on we, this is this is not a strawberry film. <laughs> <laughs> Additional music by Orbital. Rock on, my friends. That's right. I forgot Orbital did some uh, some music score for this. Look at this shit. Yeah, see, Funky Shit by Prodigy, and apparently that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's literally it, and and the Hartnell Brothers. Anyway, that's about it. This has been Down in Front, and you can always find more episodes at downinfront.net. Subscribe to us on iTunes and get a brand new episode every single week. Twitter.com slash Down in Front. Facebook Down in Front Show. Email us at Down in Front Show at gmail.com. Go to the forum. Involve yourself in the conversation. It's great stuff. Good people. There's a chat room there for all hours of the day. And you can usually find someone in it. Or if not, just speak into the void and later the void will speak back. Holton Hill designed and maintained the website. Matt Feta Veda used to be a mensch, but now he's a douchebag. Aw. Hey, no, he's not. It's he's your not fault. A <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> Matt Veda is sorely missed, and we wish for him to come back as soon as possible because we, back, like, we like all of the contributions he made in the past. But for now, my name is Steve Christie. Brian Penister. Hi, Scott. Eddie Doty. And this has been Down in Front. Thank you for listening. Good night. Good night. Good night.
or is it? Whoa. We haven't done an or is it gag at all. No? Well, that spaceship burned down 20 years ago. Okay, now there's a chicken just making noise. <laughs> I don't even know where that fits. And that's the out. Yeah. Friendsinyourhead.com